This week on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, we're talking the Cloverfield Paradox, and Abe is working to get this podcast onto Netflix. Wait a minute, I forgot my introduction. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron and Abe. He's he's not here this week. So he's going to deal with some things, um, but. Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I normally discuss new movies weekly. We cover some various movie topics, jump into a mostly spoiler-free review, and then jump back into other fun movie topics. This is episode 316. 316. Wow. I know. Right? Right. Oh, that is crazy. <laughs> 316. What's the date? It's 211. I don't know why I thought it'd be 316, because we're in February, clearly. But there we are. So <laughs> 316 is the episode this week. And this week we are discussing The Cloverfield Paradox, the surprise release from Netflix We'll get into many details involving this release, but it was certainly the the event itself, regardless of the film which we'll get to, that was exciting. That's something you don't see every day. And uh, yeah, that, that should be fun to talk about. And just to say now, I think because of the nature of the release and because it's so secretive, the fact that anyone listening to this podcast either has seen it or <laughs> intends to but does not really care too much about necessarily spoiling things, so I'll say right now myself and the guests, we will we'll go into it more further than we than we might normally do on reviews just to put that out there so if you haven't seen it yet this would be a good time to catch up on it before because we'll kind of probably spoil some major things about it um speaking of which our guest this week joining us today to talk to the cloverfield paradox we have from a place he calls home here's a guy better fit for a bunker it's peter paris <laughs> hey everybody also joining us from the milky way blues he recently caught footage of a rampaging monster on his iphone it's yancey burns hey gang how are the two of you doing today? Good. I'm doing good. I, I feel like uh, I lost my voice a little last night, so I apologize. My voice is a little uh, groggy. Uh, Sexy one of those Romstein, voice. Uh, one of those Romstein raves? Is that, that was right. Name? Yeah, no, nothing like that. So. <laughs> Too old. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, doing good. Romstein's not there? young. I mean, <laughs> like if you're too old, like, I don't imagine they're, <laughs> they're, not, they're not sprightly either. <laughs> that concludes my thoughts on Romstein. Let's uh, let's keep moving. But no, good to have you guys back as always. Having you together is, of course, always something of a joy because I, I know Abe looks forward to arguments. I look forward to good conversation. So we'll see what happens. And, uh, and as <laughs> Which Abe one are we? Are we arguments, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm saying Abe looks forward to the arguments. I look forward to the conversation. Together, it all kind of works out in some corner. So we'll, we'll, gotcha. see, we'll see what happens. We'll see what kind of disagreements are had. Um, but yeah. Uh, let's see. Let's get some show notes real quick. First up, um, Oscar uh, the Oscar uh, episode. Uh, we will be having an Oscar special closer to the end of the month, of course, where we predict what we think will win Oscars, and then we'll have a, a show immediately following the Oscars um, where we will talk about what happened and how those predictions turned out and everything. That's always a lot of fun to do. Um, friend of the show, Mark Coben, will be joining us. I'm sure my lovely girlfriend, Anna, will be joining us as well. It'll be, it'll be a good time. Um, what else? A uh, new commentary track. It is a new month, which means that we will have a new commentary track for the month. And this month, as I've said before, we are doing commentary tracks that are of movies that all failed to top Titanic while it was running when it was raining the box office 20 years ago. Last month we wow. did. Last month we did Deep Rising, classic. This month we're doing an actual classic, Dark City, uh, which should be a lot oh. of fun to talk about. I think there will be a lot to say because that's a great movie, but those movies also tended to provide for good commentary tracks. Uh, Anna's closing the door very slowly to not make noise, and I admire her for it, but it's just, it's so comedically slow how she's closing it, it's making me laugh right now. Um, it's still being closed, like, as I'm saying this. And now it's closed. Completely undisturbed. 
All right. Uh, let's see. So the commentary track. What else? iTunes reads the ratings. Good to get those. Helps out our show. Helps other people find the show. You can pop us up in the old iTunes charts if you search for our show. Give us a star rating, which would be awesome. Or even write some words down about it. Say about how much you really like this podcast or how much you kind of like this podcast. And even though you gave us that kind of rating, you can still give us a five-star review. That'd be great. All of that. All of those words. All of that applies. iTunes reviews. Good to get them. Thank you. Uh, let's see. Okay. I think that's going to take us to the end of our show notes. I don't think I have anything else on the docket to go over. Uh, all right, so let's uh, let's get to some know, everybody. Reach, we ask each other a question or two. Try to set the tone for the podcast. I better get to know, everybody. I have a question for you guys. What would you drive in space? <laughs> this, of course, relates to, I believe, Elon Musk um, has put a Tesla into space, if I'm not mistaken. Is that, am I correct on that? Are we all, am I am not just making that yeah. up? No, you're right. Yeah. I, I, I think... It, Oh yeah, I think a VW a VW van. A VW van, yeah, like a classic one. Oh, the Millennium Falcon. That okay, <laughs> a little more abstract. <laughs> that would well, I want to be able to chill, you know, play space chess when I've got the time. But I want to be able to take care of things and also, you know, uh, make sure the hyperdrive works. Yancy, so. do you want to correct him or do you want me to correct him? You correct him. Hollow chess. Peter, please. Oh, hollow chest. Oh, yes. Well, no, I knew it, was, I knew it wasn't space. Yeah, like as Han Solo's with his space dog in space. Is that is right? Exactly. Yeah, you know, I got hollow chest in the back of my van, too. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of the same idea, really. That's well, how Buffalo Bill lured people into his van. He used, he used, space, he used hollow chest. Yes. When, it, when the moving thing didn't work, he's like, oh, that's all right. You want to play some hollow chest? That's how we, that's how we get him. <laughs> yep. He's a horrible person. He's <laughs> terrible. Um, all right. Let's, uh, <laughs> so the Money and Falcon and a VW van. Good. I like, I like those. I like those. I like the disparity uh, between them. Um, I have another, since Abe's not here and we'll do this anyway, I've been doing poll questions on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash out now podcast every week where I bring up a kind of a movie death match generally related to what the main topic of the week is. And I had a death match there, which was event horizon versus sunshine. And before you choose, the idea of these polls is that not only would you choosing one means you erase the other one from existence. Now, by doing that, it not only erases that movie, but it erases everything associated with it. Pop culture references, the career paths of that director and stars change, everything about it. Every History changes because you've eliminated one movie. So between the two, I had Event Horizon and Sunshine, and I'll say right now, Event uh, Sunshine won out 56% to 44 So it was close. It was a pretty close battle there. But uh, you guys, offhand, uh, or not offhand, but Event Horizon, with those parameters I set up. Event Horizon or Sunshine, which would you choose? To get rid of or to keep? To get to, to keep. What, what would be your pick? I guess Event Horizon. I've always had a fondness for it. Neither one is, like, home run for me, but I kind of like Event Horizon. Although, if we got rid of Sunshine, if we, got rid of Event, if, if we kept Sunshine and got rid of Event Horizon, we would also get rid of another movie we're about to talk about, but... I guess we won't talk about that. I think you get, I mean, what's crazy is I think Event Horizon has had a bigger impact on pop culture, which is insane to think that a Paul W.S. Anderson film has had that effect. Like, it's that, true, it lasted, it lasted. I think it must be the horror elements Well, of it. like, think of, like, the concept of, bla of uh, black, or, um, like, black holes and, like, teleportation through space, or, like, whatever, like, wormholes. The, the, the description of that is, like, you take a piece of paper, you fold it, and you put a pencil through it. Like, everyone seems to know that reference, and so, like, when Interstellar comes along, you like you get it's like oh yeah because Event Horizon like you know it already like it's like you're, yeah. I don't need that explained to me that's how much of an impact it's had well Sunshine which I would I I like more <laughs> I think it's a better movie I think it it really holds up over time it's great and the cast is great in it 
but it it doesn't have that same kind of impact. And so maybe Danny Boyle's career changes because that movie doesn't exist a bit. But that's it's it's tougher than I thought when I put those two together because like, they're kind of similar, which is why I put it there. But still, it's I I think erasing Event Horizon that would have kind of a bigger impact on cinematic culture, which is strange to say once again than Sunshine. <laughs> yeah. But it also might take away the Resident Evil films, which I know Peter loves. So I guess his choice is probably Event Horizon. Is that right? Well, I would probably pick. Yeah, I would pick Event Horizon. <laughs> not necessarily, not necessarily for the Resident Evil films, but I agree. I feel like it just has a bigger uh, influence. My only thing with Sunshine is more that that's Alex Garland. But yeah, I mean, would it? How much would that have affected Alex Garland's career? Like, because I do, I'm you know, I'm looking forward to Annihilation, and I really liked Ex Machina and stuff. So part of me is like, well, I don't want to. You know, I don't think it, it, it would destroy Alex Garland. It would just, you know, do something else that he'd, you know, go a different direction or something. But yeah, I don't. Right. It's a hard thing to predict. Obviously, like what the lack, the lack of one movie would mean for the rest of someone's career. But, exactly. But like Sunshine was also a flop. Like it was. It, yeah, it wasn't a hit. So like he was already, you know. So it's, yeah, that's true. That's true. But yeah, that's yeah. it's the most thought of applied, it's most thought of applied to like the the impact of a Paul W S Anderson movie, as far as like what that would mean for the for the the cinematic world if one of them didn't exist. <laughs> that said, I mean, Event Horizon, I would say is his best movie of of his films. Yep, I would agree. I, I'm, I'm not I'm not sure what would really match up with it that high. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, that's that's the poll for this week. It was fun to put it up there. It's neat to see the kind of results because I was curious what would shake out. And I only do them for like three days. So, you know, I want to like overextend the poll just to see what happens. But it's pretty close. Right. Actually, It still goes to like Monday. So by the time of this, the time this podcast released, they, the results could change. And if they do, I'll do a hastily edited segment to make sure it reflects that. But until then, we'll just see what happens. Uh, right. So with that in mind, that's how you play. No, everybody. Let's move on now. Let's get to out now quickies. TM, each week, I don't know, please. And TM, there's no Abe here, so I have to do this by myself, but it sounds weirder, but I still like doing it. Uh, so moving past that, Peter, what movies have you seen recently? Uh, what have I seen recently? Um, well, besides the one we're going to talk about, I mean, the one we're going to talk about is the one I just saw recently. We'll get, um, we'll get to that in the review. So what else have you seen? <laughs> wait, I feel like I, I felt like I've forgotten what I just, oh, I saw The Commuter. Oh, okay. The Liam Neeson train adventure that we we've yeah, seen. it was okay. I mean, it was you know pretty much what I thought, and I like Liam Neeson, and I like uh, Vera Farmiga and stuff. I like the setting, but um, do you, do you like the um, the the Colette Sarah Neeson collaborations from the past? We've had Run All Night, Nonstop, and Unknown. I guess is this in the middle? I think Run All Night's the worst one. Unknown. Oh, actually, maybe this is the best one. What did you think? I I think nonstop is the best one personally. I think this is the second best one. Not by much. It's not like there's too many things separating these two. But I I do think. I love that, okay. I I do think the what I like is how these the, the <laughs> as as opposed to the Taken movies, which are pretty straight. I mean, the first ones, you know, it's good. It's good for what it is. The second, the you know, the sequels are lesser. Uh, but what I like about the Colette Sarah ones is that it gives it always gives Neeson like a quirk to work with. So like nonstop, he's an alcoholic. In this one, he's he just lost his job, and so he's like pressed because of that. So it's like that that kind of thing. It gives Neeson something to work with, which I enjoy about it. In unknown, he uh, doesn't know who he is. Yeah. Um, that's the, uh, to me, that's the worst one. That, that, one, that one's not. Although 
I mean, it's ironic because that director, um, the one I like the most is The Shallows, which isn't Liam Neeson at all. Mm-hmm. Like Lively. That's probably my favorite. Um, that's the only one I own. So that's <laughs> like, uh, but you um, say you yeah. own, but does that mean because you went out and bought it or because it came to you in the mail? Did it come to you? <laughs> no, in the, no. Yeah. no, 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 no. I, uh, I went to Amoeba and oh. it was, uh, it was a good cheap price for a 4k disc. And I was like, I will buy that. Like, so I bought it. So, uh, yeah. So Sarah's filmography is pretty, cause he has all of these shallows and what orphan and house of wax. Oh, I like Orphan. I forgot about Orphan. Orphan solid. Orphan. It's too long. It's like, why does this need to be over two hours? But still, it's it's. But it's. He's got this like this like selection of genre movies that, and like House of Wax, not a good movie, but it has a lot of interesting effects work in it because it's yeah. painful like, to watch in some instances. But. Right. Um. Yeah. Like. Yeah. So yeah, I saw that. I I feel like um I feel like a bad movie person because this past month. You know, the past few weeks, the Oscar nominations came out. And so even before that, I was pretty sure what movies I was supposed to be catching up on for the March 4th uh, airing of the Oscars. But I it's like when I would use my movie pass and go to the Grove, uh, which is near where I live, I, I'm just like, eh, I'd rather go see The Commuter or uh, <laughs> I'm kind of curious about Maze Runner. But I should be watching, I don't know, Darkest Hour, I guess, like mm-hmm. which I, I don't know. Yancy, I mean, have you been trying to catch up with the Oscar stuff? I haven't been doing a very good job. I'm still pretty far behind. I haven't seen Lady Bird. Uh, I haven't seen uh, The Post. I haven't seen... Uh, three billboards? Three billboards. Um, no. I saw... I did finally catch up with The Shape of Water. Um, and I saw the Clint Eastwood movie, which maybe we'll talk about later. Uh, what else did I see, Pete? You can talk about it now. Talk about the 1517. Oh, yeah, yeah. The 1517 to Paris, the Clint Eastwood movie. You know, it's not... I read your review, Aaron, like you gave it two and a half out of five. I don't think I liked it that much more than you, but I, I feel like it's at least, hmm. it, you know, it, 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 it doesn't work. Um, but I think it's a thoughtful movie and I think that it's sort of, I don't know, it's sort of, it's interesting to contrast it with the other big movie that I saw this week, which is Cloverfield Paradox. And, mm-hmm. and, and the way Cloverfield Paradox really reminds me of, of what a lot of movies that come out right now are like. Whereas the Clint Eastwood movie, is start, it almost feels like a relic of an earlier kind of movie making. Um, and I think Eastwood is really good at letting you make up your own mind, especially about some of these, you know, he's got, you know, red state guys and, and, and you know, and, uh, and, uh, and unsubtly drawn terrorists and stuff. But. You know, I like his gaze. I think Eastwood's a master. Um, I think his last three have been slightly off from the, you know, the last the American Sniper and Sully and or, and this one. I think have been sort of serviceable without really being particularly exciting. Um, I hope he does another one that's got a little more personal meaning to him. But you know, I think it's getting a little savage in the press. Doesn't deserve to be quite so savage. I think there's certain people that will really like it because it is just sort of a straightforward story about regular guys being heroes. Um, but, you know, I can't argue with the fact that it could have been 20 minutes and had the same effect, pretty much. I mean, um, what you're saying is everything I agree. I mean, you, you you mentioned my two and a half, and it's like, well, you just said, like, it doesn't work, but it's thoughtful. And I completely agree with that. Like, I, I do think it it has what it needs to be effective in moments. It's just, it's drawing it out a lot. And what I tend to find problem with is Eastwood's kind of hands-off approach to things, where if you're going to give me a lot of backstory about these guys... I like seeing those guys. Like the guys are certainly not the problem. Like the fact no. that, he ha- and that to re- to remind audiences, the fifteen seventeen of Paris is based off a true story um, that happens to involve the actual 
men, two soldiers, one civilian, that were involved in thwarting a possible terrorist shooting um, along a train. But to build up to that sequence, which is very effective and very intense and uh, really well shot and everything, everything yeah. that you kind of expect from Eastwood because he knows how you can do action. Um, but leading up to that, you have a whole backstory chronicling where these guys came from, which includes them as like kids. And the kid actors are terrible. And I, I don't think it's because the actors are terrible. I think it's just because Eastwood... He doesn't. He's not a guy that guides the actors. He's not an act. He's, he's, he, if you have Tom Hanks in your movie, like Sully, it's probably going to be a good performance because he's Tom Hanks. But if you have little kids that are probably, you know, in their first or second movie, and he's just kind of standing there going, "Yep, all right," like that's not. Yeah. It's not going to help him. It's not going to give him much. He news. doesn't. And he's famous for not doing too many takes. Yeah, I mean. and so yeah, especially yeah. So it really shows because that stuff is really hard. It's there's some really awkward stilted stuff there, and the same thing comes from the guys leading up to it because you get you follow them like through their journeys to uh, be, to go into the service and then you follow them on their trip through Europe leading up to the event and they're doing what they need to and like obviously you can grade a little bit on a curve because you get that but there is still like just dialogue moments that just really suffer because there's not but there's not much workshopping it seems like going on here to show guys that are friends being friends on film um that said like like you're saying, like there is in a in like you know we get a lot of biopics and real life stories and whatnot. There is something to be said for one that because you wonder why does Eastwood need to do a movie like this? And well, there's there's something that's you know less cynical about seeing a, where, a story where it's like, hey, I saw these guys, they're heroes. I want to put that on film. That's there's something to admire about that. And yeah, I just I I wish there was maybe a little more something he wanted to say that could reflect that was reflected in the film more. I get what you're saying where it's kind of like he just kind of leads you to think about it but at the same time there's not much to think about beyond yeah this was a good thing like it's great right, and you couldn't really do the story about what happened to them after the the train incident because that's basically flags of our fathers again which he mm-hmm. already made and made well i just you know i think it's just the, the moment is not right for clint eastwood to be making a movie i think the political climate is not going to be sent is not going to be tilted towards an 89 year old white guy uh, with slightly conservative leanings uh, i think he's just he's getting burned a little hard on this one, but I, I think to illustrate what I mean by like, you know, I, there's a scene early on in with terrible line of dialogue. And yes, the script is really bad. I don't know how that made it past the first line of, 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 of defense, but mm-hmm. there's a line that I think, uh, Jenna Fisher has where she talks about how my God is bigger than your statistics. Or so she's talking to a high school principal and she's sort of shouting down his, his, um, he's requesting that one of the kids get on Ritalin or something. And yeah. she's like, my God's bigger than your statistics. And you kind of think, oh, gosh, you're rolling. the whole theater rolls its eyes. But later on, there's a moment where uh, another character is asked if he wants to if he wants to say a prayer or, or if he's a Christian in some way. And his response is, is so negative and so like he dismisses it so quickly. And it's not framed as, oh, this guy should be a Christian and he's not. Clearly, in Eastwood's in whatever Eastwood's worldview is, he's presenting both of these kind of attitudes in one movie. You would never see anything like that in, for instance, The Cloverfield Paradox. Um, and so I really appreciate what may or may not be a fading kind of way of making movies where you you do let the audience come to its own conclusions. Um, and I think that's what he does, has done increasingly as a director over the years, is, is back off more and more and let the audience make up their minds. Well, that's what American Sniper really is. I mean, he's not actually judging anybody, which is really what he was criticized for. You say you should have judged Chris Kyle. Maybe you should have, but it's not the kind of guy he is. Again, this one is definitely a very minor movie, but but, you know, I think it's worthy of more discussion than some of the other minor movies we've had so far this year put it that way 
and I I can agree with that. Like the review I wrote for fifteen seventeen, I really liked. I was really happy to hear that I put together. Um, not to tote my own review, but at the same time, it's like that. It it was neat to write about that film because there is a lot. There's more interesting things to say about it than other films. Um, and you mentioned the, the, you mentioned that line of dialogue that comes towards in the train part of the scene. Again, that seems like the most polished part of the movie. It feels it. Yeah, like, it doesn't feel forced in any way. And it probably helps that you have the real guys, plus like the re- a lot of the real people that were like there, like the guy that got shot. That's the same guy. That's not an actor. Like it's the actual guy. And it's, so it's like, okay, yeah, like they're drawing on actual things that happen and how they remember it, and it it's more affecting that way and more effective. Like it just it has all the ingredients to work. So again, you know, he tried that, to get the terrorist too to be in it. I'd imagine he probably did. I don't know how that would have gone. He asked them. He asked them if they let him be in it, and they said no. <laughs> yeah. That'd be interesting, huh? It'd be something, that's for sure. <laughs> be amazing. Let's see what he's going for, though. It's interesting. Well, anyway, yeah, the fifteen seventeen to Paris is open in theaters now. Also open this week, which I saw is Peter Rabbit. Um, this mm. is a film based off the uh, Beatrix Potter novel, the Peter Rabbit series. It's kind of, it's a mix of like those novels and like a continuation of them, based off how the story goes. Um, there's, it's kind of not necessarily like a sequel, but like um, what would happen next kind of scenario. Regardless, this movie's much better than any of the trailers I've seen for it. Like, it, it is surprisingly much better. Um, coming out of Sony Pictures Animation, which has given us things like the Smurfs and the Emoji Movie, my my sights weren't super high on it. Like, and they, now to be fair, Sony Pictures also gave us um, Cloudy of a Chance of Meatballs, which I think is fantastic. So I'd like to, you know, I, ideally it'd be in that level. It's not quite on that level, but it's still quite good. Um, you have um, James Corden as the voice of Peter Rabbit. You have Donald Gleason and Rose Byrne as the like human characters. And I think what works about it is a blend of James Corden being toned down and his humor arising out of uh, subversion and some British wit, obviously, and just like the film knowing what it is. It's kind of winking at itself. And that's not always the best, and it's not an excuse to make up for some of the problems in this movie, like having a jukebox, essentially, because you hear a lot of songs, a lot of, like, pop culture songs that come up, and it's like, wow, we just nonstop with the, with, the, with the jams in this movie. At the same time, though, that stuff, it, there's a lot of funny stuff in there, and, the, and Donald Gleason goes all in on being, like, just, like, slapstick funny. And like I liked him a lot in Last Jedi. I think he's legit hilarious in that movie. And this one, he's like he is very funny. He's he's killing it here, like doing like physical comedy with like CG rabbits and whatnot. And it's 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 good. It's a it's a solid like enjoyable family movie. It's not Paddington two because nothing is, but it's still it's still good. It's yeah, I got to see Paddington too. Yeah. Let's see. I saw another movie that comes out next week that I'll talk about then. I'll just wait on that one. But I will mention that I've seen a number of... I mean, you guys have not been catching up on Oscar stuff. I have um, on some of the stuff on Netflix, because Netflix has a lot of things. Um, so I watched one... I So I watched three... I, thought, I got three other things. One is On Body and Soul. This is the foreign one of the foreign language film nominees. And I'm not going to describe it exactly, because I think part of the good from that film comes from what it's like about. Um, but it involves two people that are connected in some way. Um, through kind of a fantastical way of thinking, fantastical way, and it's kind of a love story that blooms between them. Um, I think it's okay, uh, given the number of foreign films that came out this year. It's, it's probably wouldn't make the cut for me as far as an Oscar nomination goes. But I will say it's not a movie to watch while you're eating because the two characters, <laughs> the two characters work in a slaughterhouse, and they very much show the fact that they're in a slaughterhouse. 
And it's like, wow, that's that's not something I thought it was going to happen five minutes into the movie. But there you go. In other few movies, there's two um, documentaries that are two uh, feature-length documentaries, also a few of the um, short uh, short film documentaries. But um, two of the long ones, one is Strong Island and the other, other is Icarus. Uh, Strong Island goes over the kind of injustice that happened as far as a, a murder of, of a black man goes. Um, it's it's good. It, it it does what it needs to to elicit you know the kind of emotional response you get from that kind of story. But Icarus, um, this one is really good. Uh, Icarus tells the story of a of a cyclist who he he wanted to. He was very. He had a lot of concern over kind of doping in in cycling and like how that affected things and with things like like Lance Armstrong and what have you. And so he wanted to conduct an experiment on how doping would affect him um just basically kind of recreating the stages and how people were able to get past the doping tests and what it turns into because so to do this he has to like involve a russian doctor uh, a russian like a biologist guy like that guy that kind of deals with that kind of thing and in doing so the kind of the second half of the movie turns into this crazy conspiracy story where that deals with why russia was you know disqualified from the olympics in various years recently and this movie's fascinating, and like it turns into a very exciting movie to watch because you don't really know what's going to happen based off of this kind of espionage thriller turn that it takes in the, in the second half. And so I very much recommend this one, Icarus. Uh, it's certainly one to look up, look into. It's, it's, well, it sounds good. Yeah, it's it's the kind like I, I like documentaries in general, but my ones that tend to affect me are ones that feel like oh this is just a movie now like that's kind of the feeling i get from it it's like oh this is just it's not it's it's still about like something that happened it has the you know the people talking to camera and what have you but it's like oh the events taking place here just feel very cinematic all of a sudden and it's a well-made doc overall like it's slick it has its kind of uh, an intriguing way of showing you something that you're not necessarily invested in like cycling or doping for that matter um but yeah it's just it's really well presented um and uh you know quite good yeah, that's what I've been watching. That's how no quickies. Yeah, let's uh, move on now. Let's get to one of our. Let's get to our uh, trailer talk. Where we talk about some of the newest movie trailers of the week, when they came out, and what have you. The um, Super Bowl gave us like a wealth of trailers to talk about. Not going to go into all of them this week, but we will go into two. Um, first up, the uh, Solo colon a Star Wars story trailer. This is the trailer, the first trailer, which is impressive given that the movie's only arriving four months from now. Um, yeah. That of course is focused on. Han Solo in a younger form, played by Alden Ehrenreich. Not much plot to speak of so far, except that he wants to be the best pilot. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, let's start let's start with Yancey. Yancey, what, what, are your thought, what are your thoughts on both the trailer and just the, the notion of making a solo Han Solo movie? That's a weird one. I, I've always wondered whether... I mean, they've always talked about trying to replace Harrison Ford in both the Indiana Jones and Han Solo roles, as, as if you were Sean Connery and James Bond. But I always kind of wonder, has has Harrison Ford been Han Solo for too many years for that to really take hold? I mean, Harrison Ford's been Han Solo for 40 years. Um, that said, like, yeah, and of course, I'm, I'm, I'm repeating what everyone else has been saying, which is that I don't really have any interest in. I mean, I've never thought about what Han Solo was doing before Star Wars. That said, you could come up with a story that's interesting about how he won the Kessler run or whatever. Trailer looks good. I'm of course like eh, I've been hot and cold on these latest on, on the on the Disney Star Wars movies. Although I did like Last Jedi a lot. And, you know, the most heartening thing to me is that I think Alden Ehrenreich is a terrific actor. And and and, and, and you know, I I, I I risk sacrilege by saying that he's probably ten times the actor Harrison Ford was in the first Star Wars. In the first Star Wars, Harrison Ford is, still acts like he's a carpenter. Um, no no shame on carpenters, but but Alden Ehrenreich is terrific. So. 
I am intrigued with he and Donald Glover, of course. Um, and the trailer did look more fun than I was thinking. The big sort of space tentacles and stuff. Like, I mean, obviously I'm going to see it. I mean, who, who's not going to see Han Solo the movie? But like, you know, trailer did its job. I'm, I, you know, the question we're all we all have is, I wonder if there's such thing as too much Star Wars, and are we going to get there anytime soon? Um, we'll see, I guess. But yeah, I mean, you know, I was going to see it if the trailer was nothing, you know. But <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm vaguely heartened by it. But you know, who knows? We'll see. I mean, honestly, I'm more surprised that you like the trailer over don't like the trailer, given how kind of down you've been on some of the Star Wars. It's just, you know, it's, 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 I've gotten used now to there being a Star Wars trailer every six months and a new Star Wars movie, so that's I'm, I'm past that. And, like, you know, again, it's just, it's Aaron Reich again. I think he's a terrific actor, and, you know, he hasn't gotten a lot of exposure, so. What, what do you I mean, make of that? I mean, because, yeah, I would think I'd speak to, obviously, like, Hail Caesar as a breakout, but also, like, I like, uh, what's it? Is it Tetro? The, Tetro, yeah, the, the Coppola movie is yeah, really that, good. In. That's that's where I remember first noticing him, and even Me that too. movie, Me beautiful, too. beautiful creatures, one of the YA books that like once again flopped and didn't turn into anything. There's some good stuff in that movie that I really liked, and he's one of those things. But, Discovered uh, by Spielberg at a bar mitzvah. I'm not. Oh, that sounds right completely that? right. I'm all, <laughs> I'm all about that story. He found him at a bar mitzvah. <laughs> <laughs> this kid needs to be yep. in movies. Speed. Sign off on that one. The beard. Yeah, he scanned all the bar mitzvah videos for young talent. Yeah. Peter, how about you? What did you think of the solo trailer? Um, <clears throat> I liked it. I, the, I think that because it's a trailer, I think the thing that was occurring to me was how much um, the way they framed the teaser reminded me of recent uh, recent movies that you know probably in some way owe a debt to Star Wars or Han Solo. I mean, it looks a little Guardians of the Galaxy. It looks a little yeah, like it looks a little like his. His, you know, I was uh, kicked out of the academy. It reminds me of like Chris Pine's version of Kirk, you know, in the Abrams uh, Star Trek. So it's not really a bad thing. It just reminds me of how like you have something like Star Wars. It's like a forty-year-old property, and then all these things that have come after it, you know, for good and bad. Um, yeah, I thought like um, you know, I mean, I have to say though, I agree. Uh, I really like what's his name, Alden Aldrin, Alden, Alden Ehrenreich. Alden Aaron Wright. Yeah, he's <laughs> terrific in uh, Hail Caesar, and I liked him in the the Warren Beatty movie. What was oh that yeah, called? Rules Don't Apply. Yeah, Rules Don't Apply. Too. I like, yeah. I like him in that too. Yeah, he has a he, he absolutely has a natural charisma, um, and he feels like he could be a big star. So I uh, totally like him. Although interestingly, um, he doesn't. It's funny. He doesn't seem like he gets to do that much in the trailer. Like, and I, and this is kind of a weird nitpick. I feel like the last line of the trailer is slightly underwhelming, even though I don't think it's his fault. I think it's something like, uh, um, what's her name? Sir, um, uh, Amelia Clark says something like, oh, I'm the only person who knows everything. I, I know the truth about you. And then he just looks at her and he's, and, and he's like, what's that? So I'm like, that's how you end the trailer. It's a weird. That's not the end though. The end is the, the, we're fine. We're fine. And then the oh, no, yeah. tentacle monster thing happens. Which okay. is a good Han Solo moment. Yeah, oh, that, no, no, no. That, that reminded me of that. That was the most forward moment of that trailer for me. I think okay, Disney wait, is probably guys too are... timid about trying to show him off as the new Han Solo. No, you guys are totally right. That last that last thing after the title after the title card comes up uh, is great, you know. But I guess no, it still felt weird to me. Uh, also, I do appreciate all the like memes we've seen of like everyone taking any still shot they have of Glover yep. as Lance. Or is it because he really has that charming Billy D smile like he's got that big grin like so I'm excited for that. But I yeah, no, I you know what? And um, I'm I have been more on board with wanting more Star Wars in my life than Yancey has. But Rogue One and we're not going to go down this road, but 
Uh, Rogue One was a little kind of disappointing for me. Um, but you know what? I am totally fine. You know, Yancey, Yancey. I want more good Star Wars. I just don't want more blah Star Wars. Well, right. But I'm, I am totally fine if yeah, I know you are. If if no 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 if Han if Sol if a Sol if Solo a Star Wars story is really just a good like three star movie like it's a B, three out of four sorry what have like, we come to these I know I know I just I but 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 like I have high hopes for what Ryan Johnson and uh, is it Benningway the guys who Benny Off and Weiss from the Game of Thrones yeah, like, yeah. Benningway <laughs> yeah those I have high ambition for that I'm like okay I hope these are really great but for something like this I'm like okay I just want this to be fun you know a fun movie like so i'm not expecting best of the year or anything i mean that certainly when you have you know ron howard coming in to replace directors that makes it an experience that's going to be tainted no matter what so yes i do i i I, of course want to you know i want to the best movie that's what i want in any movie i want to see the best movie i've ever seen but i you know you have to have realistic expectations and i don't think star solo a star wars story is going to be like getting the same kind of praise as certain others that are like the best since empire, that kind of typical star Wars praise that you seem to get every now and then. Um, right. That's, I would agree. That said, I don't think I would want Han Solo to be the best movie ever made. It was on the wrong message. <laughs> to it's on the wrong message. To... It, it'd be a wild, but I mean, you get a, not that I sure, agree. I not that, I not agree. That, well, not that I agree, but like last year you got a blade runner movie where people are like, it's better than the original. And it's like, well, it's good. Like I wasn't necessarily that high, but at the same time, the fact that you got a movie that had overwhelmingly good reviews with people proclaim with many proclaiming it as like true, one true, of the, the year's best movies, let alone even better than the original. It's like, that's pretty impressive. Like that's not something I necessarily expect from, I might be on that train myself, actually. Yeah. So, okay. Wow. Uh, really? but, wow. But with Solo, yeah, yeah I, I think the trailer is quite enjoyable, for sure. I I can I can see why it would want to hold back on Aaron Reich as far as showing him and showing off his performance, mainly because it's going to be critic it's going to be scrutinized and picked apart no matter what. So you know, the less the better, especially when you make kind of the you know the roguish sidekick character into a lead character that doesn't always go well. Um, right. I would say most of the time it doesn't go well. Actually, when you you know you take the Fonz and you make him the lead character, um, so it's jump for sure. That's a Ron Howard joke. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, I on that regard, yeah, there is like that moment at the end that I kind I like quite a bit as kind of him being a, Hon- a Harrison Ford type. That said, my concern with him being looking like and sounding like Harrison Ford is very minimal. It's yeah, like, if he's not Harrison Ford. He's not Harrison Ford, no matter what. I don't care what kind of thing you want to do, unless you're de-aging him of CG. Um, it's not going to be the same thing. So I'm going to accept. Yeah, if you can't make that leap of yeah, yeah. That said, Donald Glover seems to have do absolutely nothing to make me convinced that he's Lando Calrissian, and it's amazing because he's just he doesn't say anything. He just reacts and has facial expressions. Yet everything about this makes me want to have that Lando movie a lot more than a solo movie, which seems like that could have been an easy way to go because it's you know. It's I don't know what you guys are talking. He doesn't look any more like Billy D. Williams than Alden Elric looks like Harrison Ford. Like, it's not about they... looks. It's it's deme- Thank you, thank you, babe. Thank you, Mike. Anna <laughs> said it's about demeanor. It's about kind of what you're throwing out there and just the. It's something. Whatever Donald Glover has, it's just naturally exuding from him. And I can't say the same about many people as far as recreating certain performances. Uh-huh. And I don't think they. I don't think no one doesn't think that either. Because look at like Peter, you said the memes that have come out of this. It's just. I think Billy D is less. It's not as much of a you know a sacred ground to cross by recasting Lando Calrissian as opposed to Han Solo. I would say. 
And also to your point, of all the characters from that series, Lando Calrissian, I would want to see more about. Yeah, because you don't, you don't know much about him, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, and you can easily tell tangential stories that line up with Han or even Jabba or even Boba Fett. Like you can easily do right. that without having to make it kind of a fan film, which is what I'm hoping exactly. Solo isn't. Um, I he's, he's a, uh, as a side note, Billy D. Williams is arguably the best part of Battlefront Two. <laughs> okay. Yep, yep that's, he is. Like, he's, it's the game, yes. Yeah, so it took me to say, I was like, what are we talking about? Oh, yeah, the game, yes, of course. Yeah. Well, Billy D. Williams is generally the best part of a lot of things. I mean, look at right. Batman. <laughs> Everyone's talking to Keaton. I'm like, what about what about Tarvey Dent over there killing it in just a few scenes? Then he doesn't get to be Two-Face? What kind of oral is this? I don't understand. <laughs> Until the Lego Batman movie where they corrected that mistake. They cast Billy D. Williams as Two Face. It was awesome. Right. Um, Harvey Dance, yeah. Yes. But anyway, I no. I regardless of whatever high expectation I might have for another Star Wars movie coming very shortly, um, I do think it's a fun trailer. I, I I really want Ron Howard to get a. I mean, it's a Star Wars movie, so it's going to make money no matter what. But it'd be nice to see Ron Howard get a hit again. Like it's been a while yeah, since. I agree. Like, regardless of quality of his films, because I think he's churned out like give or take a few things. Oh wait, Frost Nixon's great, and Frost Rush... Nixon's from ten years ago, Peter. Yeah, ten years ago, man. Uh, I liked, I liked Rush. I thought Rush, Rush was is. Good. Let me finish my sentence. I was okay. gonna, say, I'm gonna say, Rush, I think is legit great. It's one of Ron Howard's best movies. Frost Nixon is also great. It's so underrated. What's the what? Wait, so what's the problem? The he problem did the Heart is, of the Sea. He it, did the, the, the Heart of the Sea. The the inherent the Inferno with Tom Hanks. Like these, oh, I forgot the, about the, that. The, the dilemma, Angels and Demons. I mean, there's, there's a lot of, not even if they're, they're not none of them. I mean, in the heart of the sea looks great. It's like a great, uh, what was I calling it? A great, um, uh, J J M W Turner painting come to life. That's what I regard. Yeah, it was the, enjoyable. Yeah, it's a wonderfully great. looking, wonderful looking movie. But these, these are either been like flops for him or not really well critically received. And I think Ron Howard is a solid director. And so I'd really like to see him like get kind of credit for like being this, you know, really great workman, workman-like director where he's like, he can do whatever. And he's just really consistently good at that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I think we know Ron Howard. I think we know that he's basically, he can't conquer a bad script, but with a good script, he's good. And actually reassuringly, I just realized reassuringly, he's probably the best guy. He's the best guy to bring in. I think to finish someone else's movie. Cause he's not going to, He's not going to push his own personality onto it. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's yeah, it's not going to be suddenly, especially when you have, you know, Phil Lord and Chris Miller doing whatever oh, yeah, they're yeah. doing on the movie. It's not like Ron Howard's like, well, now it's going to be a Howard style movie. Like there's no oh, real... to go. Yes. Yeah, it's going to be <laughs> the movie it needs to be. But yeah, you have Lawrence Kasdan and John Kasdan, his son, on the script, which is like, well, that you know, I mean, you have the you have one of the guys that you know wrote some great Star Wars movies involved here, and we've what was going to say with Howard. Um, oh, I was going to say this, Howard, he's good friends of George Lucas and there was a good time where he was almost going to direct one of the prequels. Like, it's not like Howard's new to the world of star Wars. Let right. alone Lucas Did you film. see that Lucas came on the set and like added a joke or something? I got so excited when I heard that. Yeah. He was there for five hours. I heard. Yes. Yeah. He's going to direct another star Wars movie. Before he dies, <laughs> and I'm going to be so happy. Uh, oh, I'm man. sure he was negotiating with the Hasbro people that were on set on the same day, talking about the toys, and then he's like, "Oh, let me look at the film set over here." Wrong. Get any more? He doesn't get any more of that money, does he? <laughs> probably does. He's a great businessman. He probably has all kinds of loops that you don't know about. He sleeps on a bed of money that day. <laughs> I'm sure he does. But and he has, it's his own currency on Skywalker Ranch called Lucas Bucks. It's great. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> Lucas Bucks. Yep. Uh, Willow is obviously a penny. That's how that one works. Um. All right, yeah. Solo, Start a Star Wars story, Start it drops uh, May 25th, Memorial Day weekend, so there you go. Let's move on to our next trailer. It wasn't a Super Bowl trailer, actually, but it did come out this week, it, and I do want to talk about it. It is for Venom, the um, 
upcoming Spider-Man spinoff that does not feature Spider-Man, but instead stars Tom Hardy as Eddie Brock. Nothing really to say about the plot so far, except I assume that there's some kind of meteorite that crashes on Earth and unleashes a symbiote that attaches itself to Eddie Brock. That's a guess. Um, but, um, let's, start with, uh, let's start with Peter. Peter, what, are you excited for Venom? I am not excited at all for Venom. Um, I thought it looked, it honestly looked like, do I want to, not made for TV. It it looked really, yeah, really unremarkable. Blah, blah is the word. Oh, really blah. In fact, this is interesting because we will get into this soon when we talk about Cloverfield. But really hyping up this Cloverfield review, by the well, way. <laughs> well, I can't wait. I can't wait. Because, because I think there's a conversation to be had about like when you have nah, kind of a mediocre script, it's not really the best thing ever. How much of a big deal of it is if you have a really good movie star? And Tom Hardy is a way bigger movie star than anybody in the Cloverfield movie. And I got to say, I still don't care. I'm just like, yeah, he's great, but I don't care. Like, I, I don't. He's not enough. Like, he's not enough. He's not a big enough star for me to be like, all right, I'm in. I'm just like, I don't really. This, I, there's nothing about this that engages me. Um, but anyways, what do you guys think? How about you, Yancy? I, I will say for me, the story has not changed at all. The story is that they're making a Venom movie. What? Oh, but it's starring Tom Hardy. OK, well, you just said Pete is true that the, nobody in in neither Tom Hardy nor anybody in Cloverfield Paradox can open a movie. That's true. But Tom Hardy is a sensational actor. He's he is. He's one of the greatest actors there is right now. So for me, I wouldn't be interested really at all in a Venom movie. That would be like a red box choice for me because um, I wasn't even reading Spider-Man at that point. I was already off comics with Todd McFarlane stuff, but, but like the fact that it's the fact that it's uh, Tom Hardy makes me vaguely curious. And the, what's more interesting to me about this whole thing is that it was amazing how lightning fast that one opinion about that trailer shot around the internet. I, I, it must've been an hour before everybody had the same story about how people don't like this trailer. And I'm just so, I don't understand how things work these days where it just became this, the, the party line across the board. Now it's not an impressive trailer, but like, I don't care. Clearly, they just had a bit of footage. They threw it together to try to get people excited. But, like, it's funny how basically everybody comes down yay or nay on everything these days. And to me, it's like, I, I don't I mean, the movie might be good. It might not be good. This trailer is not going to tell me one way or the other. This trailer is just basically a shot of him in a hoodie and a shot of him in an MRI and, like, some space shots. Like, I don't know. Well, I think what, I don't it, think... Well, what it speaks Michelle to Williams is... Michelle Williams in it, too, right? That's, that's what that Michelle Williams and Tom Hardy... In a Venom movie, that's a really good cast. And for Riz Ahmed. I mean, you got yeah, that's a really good cast. So that that's all I need to know. I'll see it. You know, as far as the trailer, I'm like, yeah, we got to stop reviewing. I mean, it's part of the show and it's fun, but like, who knows? You know, like, well, I, I mean, it's nice that Michelle Williams decided to like cash another check for the next like Kelly Reichard movie or whatever. But I mean, Tom Hardy being involved, it's like, yeah, I am. Um... Well, they're both ex excellent actors. They are both excellent, actors. but I mean. Michelle Williams doesn't do this kind of movie. <laughs> this is like this is not. Which the... makes me think maybe there's something interesting about the script. I doubt it, but maybe they got two good actors. Yeah, involved. the money. That's that's what's interesting about the script. You don't think it's possible that it's a good script? Yeah, maybe. I, I, I mean, yeah. I assume that she would probably have the selection of various properties like this, and this might have been the best one. But no, I think at the end of the day, this is not the kind of movie that she's starring in. Uh, Tom Hardy. 
I mean, he was going to be in Suicide Squad for the longest time, so it's like clearly he has an investment in this kind of thing, like like you know, big stuff. I mean, he's in Bat, he's Bane. I mean, so it's like it's not it's not unfamiliar to him. Um, and like you guys are saying, yes, Tom Hardy, I consider to be, and then like Fassbender, like two of the actors that I just appreciate most in film right now. I think they're just consistently yeah. good in things, regardless of what that is. And that should be enough to get me interested in a Venom movie, but it really isn't. I don't care about Venom. It's not a character I like. I never liked him in the comics. And getting to a full movie about him is just like, why? That's kind of been my thought on it. And up until a poster came out, like, the day before this trailer, I'm like, this can't be real, right? Like, any second now, Tom Hardy's pulling out of this thing. Because, like, why is this happening? Yep, here we are, though. <laughs> we have a trailer now. And, yeah, it, it that was its chance to kind of prove something to me, and it just didn't. And, I, I'm, Yancey, I get what you're saying as far as, like, a kind of group think that happens instantly. But at the same time... If you're making, if you're not, it's not like it's some random movie that has Tom Hardy or even like some lesser known kind of property that's sent like Guardians or something, for example, even though Guardians had a great trailer. Um, it's Venom, which is like a fairly popular character in the world as far as like a main Spider-Man villain and just its own kind of thing. It's certainly taken off. And if you're going to make a movie, let alone market a movie that's supposed to show me this, you know, new take on it coming off of spider-man 3 which i like that movie but i mean a lot of people don't and it's mainly because of venom um i like spider-man 3 i again i do too but i a lot of people are thrown off by that movie and the thing it generally centers on is topher grace's venom and emo peter parker which i also think is completely fitting of that character that's a different discussion but <laughs> the um if you're gonna make a trailer for venom i feel like i should see something that indicates that it's you know a movie about venom and not just any possible movie ever because you could put any title at the end of this trailer and you'd be like yeah that makes sense like you can call it the born hardy and it's like oh yeah it is a born movie i get it it makes sense like but it does it just uh, it's just this weird like you know tom hardy says things in his newest accent and then it says v it doesn't even say the title it's just v at the end it's just very like off-putting and alienating for fans i think that want to see a movie version of this character they really like and so for fans, it's like, yeah, I can get why they're not excited. And for me, who's already not excited about the character, this doesn't do anything else. Like, this is, it's like, what am I, What else am I supposed to say about this? Yeah, it will likely be finished when it's finished. But if you don't have anything to show, why show anything? That's kind of, the movie doesn't come out till October. It's like, you could wait a month if you need to finish a visual effect or two, because there's nothing here. It's a nothing of a trailer. It just has nothing going for it. Well, they, you know, they may do another trailer between now and then. Of course they're going to do another trailer, but it's like, you know, first impressions are key. They may key. address these very concerns. First impressions are key, and uh, what's a friend of the show, Scott Mendelson's written about this a lot with Green Lantern. Green Lantern, which is not a good movie, um, yeah, yeah. That the initial trailer for that shows off the It even shows more than Venom, but it shows off the suit, which was clearly unfinished at the time, and it looked awful. That was the whole narrative about that movie, how awful the character looks. And it's like, this, we don't even get a character shot, we just get Tom Hardy. Which is like, all right. Well, that also happened with the. Uh, wasn't there a mummy trailer last year that came out with like no sound? Well, that or was something? that was just an IMAX error. Oh, like, that yeah. was an error. Yeah, that, yeah. But that, that wasn't, starts like... the narrative. That starts the narrative going whether or not the movie actually deserves these things. Who knows? But the narrative starts really early. Anytime, of course, troubled productions are always, you know, everybody likes to get to gossip and jaw about them. Yeah, but... but I mean, some of that's like, you know, that only applies to like people like us that are film nerds that like look at this stuff on the internet or whatnot and read it. But something like Venom. I don't think so. I think we, I think this thing, like what you're think... saying about the Venom show, I think it becomes a, 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 well, that, a tribal thing. No, that, that's, like, everyone no, that, says it to, that's, to show solidarity. That's what I'm saying, though. The Venom trailer is something everybody is seeing. Not just like people on the internet that look at films all day, but people, you know, people that are going to be in movie theaters next week for what comes out for black panther and they see the venom chair like what is that v what is v 
V for Vendetta? It's a prequel? What is it? I don't know what this is. Like, is this this weird thing where Tom Hardy's walking around doing a voice? And it's like, I don't know what I'm supposed to be excited about from this. And I can, They should I, not be debuting any trailers right now with everyone so excited about Black Panther. <laughs> like, like, I mean, that's why. Everyone's going to see Black Panther. They're going to see, you know, six or seven trailers. There better be good trailers. And this isn't one of them. Yeah. And, because, you know, they also never quite sold me on the idea of, of making a movie about the villain. Like, Suicide Squad, they just made them into heroes, basically. Yeah, they, well, that's why it's a terrible movie. <laughs> but, um, right, but how do you make a movie about Venom that doesn't have Spider-Man in it? I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. It's, it's conceptually hard to grasp, too, so nobody really wants it. Plus an underwhelming trailer. You know, well, it's like we'll we see. don't. I mean, you could. The assumption could be made that Carnage might feature in it in some capacity. I mean, that makes almost total sense. It's like, well, how do you? And it could be a villain. You get an even bigger villain, like Cletus Cassidy. You put that in there, but then Carnage like, is the other big red, scary Spider-Man monster. Yeah, it's the other symbiote thing, and that's you know, yeah. he's like a serial killer that gets the symbiote. So it's like, yeah, all right, that's worse than like a tough guy reporter, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, by the way, the director is Ruben Fleischer, who did Zombieland and Gangster Squad. Also oh, not, trouble. also not, trouble. Um, not, not thrilling me right there, right there. Which, um, we're in trouble. <laughs> so it's like between that and you have Avi Arad, who is Spider-Man's greatest enemy, the producer. Um, yep. All of these things are just like so far. It's like this, this needs to come a lot longer, a lot further than it is right now to make me like more <laughs> happy about seeing a movie about Venom. So why not just make Spider-Man two about Venom? I don't know why they didn't just do that. Oh, more money. That's why. <laughs> Well, then you got to put Venom in the MCU, and then it, you know they have to go through all those trials and what. I don't yeah. know that induction process works, but it's something. Um, yeah. Regardless, Venom Horizon Theater is October fifth, later this year. Let's move on now. Let's get to our main review for the Cloverfield Paradox. Three. Three. Morning, beautiful. Two. 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 I'm getting sick of only seeing you on a screen. One. 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 Please, God. <laughs> Be on our side. Standing by for your go. Turn that shit on. Fingers crossed. The earth. It's gone. It's big, blue, full of angry people. Keep looking, you'll find it. All right, that should have been some of the trailer for The Cloverfield Paradox. Aware we just talked about this with Venom, but awareness is big when it comes to film, and the Cloverfield the Cloverfield films have found a way to capitalize on it. 2008's Cloverfield was a mystery to audiences from its debut trailer in front of the Transformers movie up until its January release date. 2016's 10 Cloverfield Lane also got its marketing started about 6 weeks before its release with a secret trailer attached to another Michael Bay film, 13 Hours. Now we have The Cloverfield Paradox which got the ultimate first reveal in the form of a Super Bowl trailer with the additional in reveal that would be available to stream on Netflix right after the game ended that same night. The commercial promoted the idea that this would serve as an answer to how everything started. Peter Paris, did this feel like a proper answer? I'm going to say no. Uh, I. Uh, it's so funny. I don't like to be so negative all the time. And I'm just, I know. Never. I would never like to be negative. <laughs> just feeling like everything we're talking about today. Although, I, you know, I like the solo trailer, uh, I guess. But... No, you know, part of me feels though I don't really know how many answers I've ever really needed for the Cloverfield Cloverfield universe. Um, I was always just a little curious about how the first two movies were connected, and so you know you get that kind of by the end. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I mean, I, I mean, I guess the answer. So I mean, I don't know. I, you know, I, you know what it is. I kind of feel like the answers that the movie that Paradox 
um, offers are kind of things that I feel like any casual moviegoer, any casual fan of the series probably already figured out. So yeah. I don't know if there was anything in it where I was like, oh, I never thought of that. Like, did you guys think that? I mean, I didn't. Well, it's not necessarily specifically what this movie, assuming we have the same idea of what it actually is. But yeah, I, I can moral. I mean, based off, it's such a weird thing because it's like the, it's all about the marketing and the kind of viral websites and whatnot that go up to kind of expand this universe. And. What I find, I guess, fascinating about this series of films is how much, what is it, like uh, extra material you can find. Not, there's another word I can say, like supp- supplemental material you can find elsewhere and not just in the films by going online and going to different things and looking up trailers and looking at them backward, like all these things that like web nerds have figured out and then put in like Reddit posts or things on the internet. And I guess that's what makes this series a series is because it, these movies aren't really connected in any proper means beyond maybe a few little things but i think compared to something like the mcu which is very obvious and broad and how all those movies are connected because they literally share characters and this one does too i guess if you're really looking closely but the it that's to evaluate a movie like this it's not about how it connects to the other movies um and i think that's been frustrating for a lot of people as far as having a trailer that promotes, you know, this is how it started. And then you kind of get a, you know, something more akin to like paranormal activity where it's just like little hints at a story as opposed to like giant revelations about what makes this fit with this. But I guess the question really is like, does that matter? Like, do you, does the movie work less or more because of how tangential the connections are? I don't think it, I don't think honestly, I mean, if, if, if the three Cloverfield movies were solid, good films, I don't really care how, how tangentially Uh they're all connected. I think the thing that gets me is that the first Cloverfield movie is, I mean, regardless of whether you like it or not, I I think it's a fun uh, or, okay, I guess if you don't like it, it's not fun, but I mean, like it it is (laughs) not fun. Right. Clover, as Yancey loves to call it, Clover failed. Um, But I call it a modern classic. I love Clover failed. (laughs) Okay. Well, but, but the first one is a found, it is a modern you know, it's a it's a 2000s version of a of a of a monster movie, but done as found footage. And it's like, oh, that's kind of a, a that's kind of a different idea. It's like I haven't seen that. And then the second one is like, oh, OK, another another staple of of sci fi or horror is the, you know, um, people trapped in an environment. Maybe they go crazy. Maybe one of them is crazy. It's like, OK. And then you get John Goodman, who's a really good actor. And it's like, oh, this is this is pretty good. I think what's weird to me is that Paradox is essentially a lamer version of Lane because it's really just a bunch of people in a confined space. They don't know who they can trust. And then, you know, sci-fi stuff ensues, which is it's just weird to me that like why there are so many tropes in science fiction. Why did they follow Cloverfield Lane with a movie with such a similar structure that to me is kind of, I don't get why they did that. There's two, there's two things to say to that. One is that these are scripts that are basically turned into Cloverfield movies after the fact, the first the lane in this one, um, obviously yeah. Cloverfield is Cloverfield from the start, regardless of what the title they had. That was like, I, I think Cloverfield was always like a, 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 like a temporary title and then they just never found something better. And that's why it became Cloverfield. And then the, the ones that followed, they're both scripts for different movies and then like later in stages of production 
J.J. Abrams came either he was involved with Ten Cloverfield Lane from the start, but then he came in on Paradise and the Ghost Particle is what it called, and then he they kind of you know God made, Particle God Part sorry what did I say Ghost Particle I'm all yep. I'm all about paranormal activity right now apparently um but uh, yeah it's like things changed along the way and then it kind of got melded into the universe regardless um that's one thing I think that what you also what you're saying to Lane I don't necessarily see this as another version of I can see what you're saying as far as there are some similar connections you could make but this seems more like another like and then there were none type story like you know there's it's just another like basically a slasher film almost where you know just you slowly weed out various characters and you know get to you know get to the last few and go from there i, I, I mean i guess i know I mean, I they're in a location i guess because it's you know they're on a space station in this film there's a space station right is like a bunker but they i mean the 10 cloverfield lane which is a better movie i contended i I agree with that. It, it plays more on the paranoia aspect and the fact that they're trapped and where this one is playing with an ensemble cast and focused on how we can fix this thing. Like, I think there, there's enough differences there where I don't think I it's... See what you're, you know what? I see what you're saying. Again, honestly, I have no problem with this kind of movie being in the Cloverfield canon. I, it's really, to me, just more why they why this is part three as opposed to part five or something sure, okay and i'm not talking to the quality of the movie i'm just talking about on a conceptual well, to, to the quality of the movie then we'll get the auntie because i want to get auntie's opinion but what, what overall like real quick what do you think of the movie oh i i you know i had heard i had heard you know you and scott and other people talk about the movie um and i didn't really read reviews yet because i wanted to watch it mm-hmm. um and i watched it in two parts and i the first 40 minutes I was very much the way I had heard other people. I was like, oh, this is fine. I'm like, yeah, it's not the best movie ever. But I was like, you know, it looks pretty good. Like the budget looks looks like the effects are solid for the kind of budget that it was. And I think it's a I really like the cast. Like, I think I'm like, wow, I really like all these actors, you know. So I was like, OK, I'm like, I'll, I'll go along with this. But, yeah, I mean, I finished it last night and yeah, it just it just felt so it went it i guess it went from like mediocre in a kind of fun charming way where it's like oh i don't mind this to just like oh man like this is so empty it's so bereft of ideas and it so feels like why are these things happening and it just i don't see the motivation here and it just doesn't yeah it it just got so flat and then strangely it's almost weird but it's the kind of like to me bad last act that is better it, it's better if if you have a last act like that that isn't i don't think very compelling it's better to just kind of like you know close out you know uh, what is it you know like your chips bring your chips in or whatever uh, and then cash, cash you, out this, <laughs> right cash out but this movie doesn't this movie it doesn't ending and you're like okay that was lame and then it like pumps up the volume to 12 for this really obnoxious last shot where I was just like, Oh my God. And like, now you've made me hate this, you know, like, and it was, which is funny. Cause I'm assuming if you like this movie, you might like that last shot. And to me, I was just so eye roll, you know, eyes in the back of my head. I was like, Oh, come on. You know? Um, yeah. So, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, we can get, we can start to get into specifics of what I don't think really works. Like okay. I really don't, We'll, we'll, we'll get there. Let's go, let's go to Yancey. He hasn't, he hasn't talked. He hasn't talked. It's Yancey, what do you think of the movie? Um, yeah, no, it's it's not good. Uh, it's not good. Uh, um, you know, I can watch a movie about people worrying about the end of the world on a space station any day of the week. So I was I was like Pete. I was enter- I was I was distracted enough by it for two hours. Funny, interestingly enough, you know, ten minutes ago you guys were talking about well, 
did this movie give you the answers you were looking for? Do you feel it answered questions? And I don't mean to be Mr. Fucking Grumpy Gus guy. I know that I come <laughs> off that way, but this is this is and this is not you got the you Aaron, you and Pete. We tell you we have very rich conversations about real movie stuff all the time. But to me, the idea of where did the giant monster come from is not even a question I could possibly care. Unless it came from Anne Hathaway's subconscious, that was the only that's the only clever answer to where did the giant monster come from ever was it came from Anne Hathaway's bad relationship. <laughs> that's the only time that ever. Otherwise, it's like if you had asked me ten years ago, and I did not like Cloverfield. Pete is right; I thought it was a dud. Um, if you had asked me where do you think that giant monster comes from, I would have said, well, either the bottom of the sea, from outer space, or from another dimension. I guess bottom of the sea and out of space are kind of hackneyed at this point, so I'm going to go with choice C. <laughs> now, if this is an imaginative series for a bunch of highly paid Hollywood talents who are telling us this story that's got us wrapped, that, 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 that's blowing our minds the way science fiction should, it shouldn't be something we can predict. We shouldn't even be trying to predict what it could be. It should be something we never could have predicted in a million years. It's science fiction, for God's sake. It should have been, they should have really sat down and thought, what would be really cool? What is this monster? It could have been anything. The fact that it's something so predictable and so easy is disheartening to me. And the fact that, uh, you know, like it, 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 it's, it's, um, it, this is the kind of, you know, surface level movie discussion that goes on now. And it really to me is, is just, is just bizarre. Like if we really are under the spell of these storytellers and we want to know where this franchise is going to take us, then it shouldn't be about whether we can guess where it might go or not that that i don't want i don't want to be able to guess i want to be amazed when you tell me and like i was not amazed when they told me and um i i want to zero in on one thing pete said about the cast um i actually thought the cast was atrocious i thought the actors are all good actors or at least some of them i know are good actors so the, char- the, the actor, characters then the the performances by these actors in this movie and the characters themselves i thought they were fairly atrocious um a lot of bug-eyed staring what's the name of the actress who's the lead Google I don't know how to pronounce her name. Yeah. Google Mbatha I, mean, I don't know. I, 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 based on this movie, I never need to see her again in anything. I'm sure that's not fair. But in this movie, all she does is stare with wide eyes and her lips tremble. Uh, and I'm supposed to. And this, it's the same thing every other actor in the movie does. Also, what's his name? The German actor. Um, oh, I like Daniel. Yeah. I like him. See, Pete says I liked him. You liked him in other stuff. If you if this is the first time you saw him, he's so cornball in this, and all he's doing is <laughs> bugging his eyes out, and his mouth opens up, and it's like every one of these talented actors, every one of them is trying to sell us on something that is not actually interesting to them, to the writers, to the filmmakers, to the director, to nobody is what's going on that interesting. Nobody's invested in it, but the actors have been amped up to to to, to like, I mean, if you took out if you cut out twenty, you could cut out twenty five minutes of wide eyed staring close ups from this movie and you wouldn't lose a single line of dialogue or a single story point. Now I'm going to zero in on one of the actors in the cast and Pete's going to go, I like him. Chris O'Dowd. He's great um, in this movie. <laughs> say it, Pete. Say I like him. Chris I O'Dowd, do. like, he's not great. It, whether he's great or not in this movie is is irrelevant. I've liked him in the past. He, has the, he has the best line by a mile of this movie when he says, what are you talking about, arm? <laughs> that is a, that was a funny moment. That was a funny moment, especially, especially the cut right after yeah. the first time. Here's my problem with that. When did this start becoming a thing where you have a character that has to stand in as the audience proxy and has to basically undercut everything with a comic line of dialogue that nobody 
going through that would that's ever not say. new though you're not you're one it of this kind of thing that's not a new thing new. look that's at the not... movie look at the movie that this movie is ripping off in, in a million echo i mean this is a movie where half of the movie is walking down scary dark corridors in a spaceship yeah I what is harry dean stanton doing in that movie he's he's, exactly. he's being, he's being on, awesome he's on. being hilarious hold, you on, want to follow it. hold on hold on you are always trying to, to justify my <laughs> criticism you're always trying to negate my criticism of modern stuff you're always trying to say it's always been like that bullshit alien of course is a million Alien, of course, is a thousand times better than most movies, but the Yafit Koto and Harry Dean Stanton characters in there are believable characters who are complaining about their jobs in a believable way. When they start getting attacked by giant slimy monsters, any jawing and joking is gone because they're horrified. But the thing is, people have such a hard time these days suspending their disbelief, and people are so concerned about whether something is corny or cliched or whether they did it like this 40 years ago. They're so concerned... But now you can't just do a straight movie. You got to have a character in there like Chris O'Dowd, who is basically exists in a duff, in the dimension between us and the screen, and is basically on our side, commenting about anything. If anything gets too self-serious or overheated, he's there to, to for the audience who doesn't want to really get into it to release that valve and let them know that oh, we know it's just kind of stupid Hollywood shit anyway. You mean like Han Solo? I, no, Han Solo <laughs> is a character in that in that in that world who I believe is in that world. Chris O'Dowd is is, is I do not believe is on that ship. He would never, no human being on that ship would ever act like he acts. And he's in there purely to give that section of the audience, the cranky, the sort of snarky section of the audience, he's there to, to, to allay their fears that this is some kind of phony baloney Hollywood sci-fi bullshit. Wait, like, yeah, okay. yes. Wait, yes. I'm just saying, just, I'm just saying, I was like, why is this, whether he's funny or not is irrelevant. Why is this I mean, character I, here? Every time he says something, it deflates the very little amount of tension they've got going on. Well, I mean, look, I mean, yes, obviously I would agree that Yafet Koto and Harry Dean Stanton work much better with their humor and then their shock in Alien. I don't think any of us are not going to say that that's a billion times better. That's not the point. But, <laughs> but, 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 but wait, here's my question, though. I feel like you sort of had this problem already with the last Mission Impossible movies because you don't like Simon Pegg. Oh, Which is not, okay. not a, it's not a horror movie. But it's, is it the same thing? Is this the same thing for you? No, I mean, that's a little more. The character who is terrified because he's in the passenger seat of a speeding car and the contrast between how can Simon Pegg exist in the same world as Tom Cruise, that it, that can work. That's the kind of thing that's been done a lot. It's just that no, Harry Stanton and Yafit Koto stop with the jokes once things start happening. Chris O'Dowd continues with the jokes once things start happening, which which really messes with the tone of the movie. I mean, but I think the, the other world, the, we're, I mean, joking. we're debating universes here, and I think there's a there's a separation between what's going on in the tone of the Alien universe versus what's going on in the tone. Yeah, of the but Cobra everyone universe. else is acting like they're in an Alien movie. Everyone else in that movie is bugging out their eyes and acting like they're in an Alien movie, a serious, terrifying, dreadful Alien. I think, movie. but I think there's some arch to their performances too. I mean, they're bugging out their eyes, but I, I the the tone of these characters, the tone of that setting, and all of the Cloverfield movies for that matter. I mean, the first one is what T.J. Miller narrating the whole, I mean, which you don't like anyway, so it doesn't really matter, but I think it's a consistent tone throughout all three of these movies. I mean, the t you know, I didn't, I, I, look, of course, I didn't like I didn't like Cloverfield. Even Ted Cloverfield Lane has what? Has uh, What's his name from Broadway? Um, from the newsroom. The third guy that's in there. Yeah, 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 the guy from, right. uh, for, he was on uh, the Iron Sorkin show, right? Yeah, newsroom. Yeah. Sure, yeah, sure. I mean, look, I didn't like 10 Cloverfield Lane either, but of all these things, I like John Goodman's performance in 10 Cloverfield Lane the best, which brings me around to another thing, which is how could they have ever thought that this was a releasable movie? That's not that's a C-list cast. Like, there's not a single actor in there who can open a movie. Well, that's why. That's why it's on Netflix. I mean, that's... But, why even, but why even think you could do that? 
like John, you need John Goodman in that second one to make that a real movie, and he does. He's he he makes he he's a good actor, as we all know. There's nobody in this movie that's good enough to overcome that material by dint of. Well, what about what about Sunshine? There's really nobody in that, right? Yeah, it, but that's got a, that's got a, that's got a good script. I mean, as you remember, Peter, you read that script before it came that's out. Not, you that were, doesn't sell a movie, though. You don't say because the script is great, go see Sunshine. Like, no one's, <laughs> like you don't promote it that way. It is a good. Well, script. I guess you're right, and sure, it, when they made Alien, nobody in there was a star either. Yeah, you got um, you got what Selleck? Not Selleck. Um, not Tom Selleck. Uh, you uh, mean uh, Cousin Strawberry from Up in Smoke? Tom Scarrett. Tom Scarrett. Selleck Scarrett. So, you know. Yeah, right. <laughs> who was in Mash yeah. before? But yeah, sure. No, it's not. They're not. But yeah, Yafakota was was relatively known. Yafakota. Yeah. Wait, you live and let die. So you got Yafakota. <laughs> it's bad. They're basically. Wait, you, can, wait. you can argue that those are all C listers too, uh, for sure. Now, um, can we I all? Just don't, I just don't understand. I, I, yeah, You're I saying mean, C-listers in terms of like marketing quality, but like David Yellowo and Zhang Ziyi and Daniel Bruhl are all like, pro- and Gwen Bothera for that matter, based off the, uh, some of the other films that she's been in. Even Chris yeah, O'Dell, like they're, goes, and John Ortiz, like they're, because... they're character, they're more character actors perhaps, but they're also people that have given praise performances. And I mean, David Yellowo is Martin Luther King. I mean, like these, they're not like. He's, yeah, yeah, I had to remind myself how fantastic he is in Selma. I mean, that's a He's, it's tremendous in that movie, and yeah. and and that that's that and that's how I knew. Okay, it's not his fault. It's and Daniel Bruhl was good in Rush. That, ironically, Daniel Bruhl was good in everything. And, and, and yeah. all of a sudden, with yeah. this, I noticed, boy, that guy's a cornball. Before this, I was like, oh, I like this German weird dude that's showing up in all these movies. Now I'm like, all he does is bug out his eyes. I don't understand. <laughs> Let me get to my thoughts as we go on because I haven't said anything. Because <laughs> I, 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 I like this movie. I'm, I would say it's the weakest of the Cloverfield films, and I can see why it's on Netflix as opposed to another Paramount release, but I think that, and it might be unfair to my own how-to-rate-a-movie thoughts, but I think I'm grading on a curve a bit because I knew going in that this can't be that great if Paramount's like, let's ship off something from our successful Cloverfield franchise to a Netflix release that comes out immediately with almost no marketing. It's like, clearly you're sending a message right there. Now, there's a... You know, obvious excitement level that comes with the idea of like, hey, this Super Bowl trailer just told me that a new Cloverfield movie, a series that generally I have some kind of reaction to, is going to have a new installment that's immediately available for you to watch. I want to do that immediately. Good on the marketing. Good on them for capitalizing off of that idea. Like that works out. But like, I can see the strings there. I can see the work I play, and it's not like this has been news. Like, if you've been following along with this movie, where. There's been an untitled Cloverfield movie, originally called The God Particle, that's been shifted around the release dates constantly. It's supposed to come out last September, and then they want to say it's because Alien Covenant and Life were so relevant, were so like you know recent that it's like we got to move this. But I think it's clear that they just didn't know how to how to make this movie overall work as far as where things go in the script, what was going on once J.J. Abrams came on to start as a producer which I think also has to do with just him being really busy. So it's like, he doesn't have time to help out, make this movie more discernible. But, and then, you know, by the time you get to January, you have rumors of Netflix buying this movie. It's like, okay, something's going on here because if you have a, if you have something as good as Cloverfield, 10 Cloverfield Lane was, you're not, you know, you're not shipping this off. And they did. And so coming into it, it's like, well, I know I'm not going to get something that's going to be in that kind of realm for me, because I do like these movies, but I still am very curious. And what I got while it's it has its flaws, I liked what I was seeing as far as I think there's some there's some really interesting stuff on a technical level as far as making this movie tracking its own kind of science fiction logic. There's a lot of motivational problems on the characters part that I don't I'm, I'm not happy with. I think the actors are 
largely wasted, although you get a couple, I mean, we've already highlighted the ones that are worth highlighting, but I think the overall you have a, a believable a believable international cast, given what this movie's trying to accomplish, involving what sending people off to space to activate this generator that will make energy last forever or whatever. Like the, which is similar to Sunshine, is where you got the you know, like a big international cast in that movie as well. Um, you yeah. can always make movies on the international space station to get a diversity. It'll always happen. It works. What? <laughs> just make every movie set on a space station, and we'd solve that problem of, of diversity instantly. <laughs> it, would, it would clamp down on things. But yeah, it's, but I think what I like is the once it gets to. I mean, I the first like yeah, the first like half of this movie is like fine. I think the first forty minutes especially really do a good job of setting up what's going on, making me intrigued by things. And yeah, it kind of goes off on its own kind of more traditional routes towards the end. But I do like the questions it opens up, not as far as like how it connects to other Cloverfield movies, but just the way cramming two dimensions into each other makes things go screwy. And I feel like that's something that a lot of people are getting on as far as, well, you can't explain this and that. Where, and I don't think you guys are necessarily thinking that's a problem, but I think that there's this weird issue that leads to something you said, Yancey, about how people of today tend to take movies as far as we need certain rules and structures and we need characters that make sense. I don't necessarily agree with the character point you're getting to, but I don't really have an issue with a movie not explaining every single thing about the scientific logic of something. That just bores me if I need to get a, you know, a a chalkboard explanation of why Christo Dowd's arm gets taken off and why the uh, other arms become sentient. I just think that's weird shit that I enjoy in a movie. Like, that's just like, okay, like, that's happening. And it's because sure. dimensions do weird things when they cram into each other. Sure. Like, that's all I need to know. We all know that. And I, yeah, that. And I think that's, and I think, I think that kind of stuff, I wish the movie would, if, if the script problems don't go away as far as characters, I wish the rest of the movie still leaned into, like, the body horror stuff and the weird dimensional property stuff that made, you know, kind of the middle section have this weird sort of, like, the eye thing. Like, I think that stuff, that worked for me enough for like, okay, that's this movie's thing. Yeah, you, know, you found footage in the other one. You got paranoia and, you know, chamber drama-ish tones going on in the second one. This one's about weird things in space. And I can get behind that. So I think what takes me down from liking this more is that it just doesn't have enough weird stuff in space going on. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't trust that. But, to run I mean, I, but like Peter, you were saying, I think the effects do. I mean, for a movie that was originally intended to be on the big screen, it looks like it could work on a big screen on a visual level. I think the, the space station stuff looks great. The space suits look cool. Like, there's a lot of stuff here that denotes the idea of a plausible futuristic reality, even if the the results don't make a total bunch of sense. <laughs> when I was watching the, the yesterday, you know, I thought, God, I wonder if there's a harder job right now, conceptually, than trying to think up the way a spaceship looks uh-huh. in one of those wide shots without making it look like other spaceships from other movies. I have a spinning thing in the middle and a spinning thing on the end. And I do like that stock. everything spins. I think I think that everyone's taken on the 2001 spinning concept quite well. In these it's just, it's, there's been so many shots. You could do a two-hour movie of just shots of giant spaceships establishing shots of giant satellites hovering in the sky. What I do uh, think is that it's, some, it's probably some other guy's dream to design their own like uh, GUI, their own like like or, or HUD when it comes to all these different computer displays they have to make up for the future, it's like some guy's like, well, if I had my own, it would look like this. And then they do it on this movie. And like, yeah, that's what mine looks like. Well, yeah, but that's relatively, I mean, this, no, that's, that's slight stuff, but years. I mean, you're talking about designing space stations. I'm talking about that aspect. It's, it's little things. Yes, I get that. Yeah. But okay. So, well, what, okay. I, I mean, Peter, you talked about this already. Yancy, do you have any concern with kind of the connection aspect of how these movies kind of match up together? 
No, you know, it doesn't offend me, the idea that they're basically doing a, a, a series of, of sort of unrelated sci-fi movies under the umbrella title Cloverfield. I don't like any of them, but that to me is not a big deal. It's like it's almost it's like one step away from being an anthology series. Um, of course, they have to they have to nod towards shared universes or, or, or you know, the, the you know, multiple movie franchises. And, it, you know, it doesn't feel like it's going anywhere. I actually didn't mind the last shot. I don't know what the big deal is. I thought that was kind of fun. Um, a I little think, bit of a payoff. I think there's a well, OK, here's another question. Then what do you what do you guys think of the the there's so many Earths in this movie, the Earth One based stuff with the guy and who eventually picks up the little girl and whatnot? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I thought that the little, I thought that for a moment I liked him taking care of the little girl, but honestly, I I really, I was pretty distracted. Every time they would cut to him, I was just like, oh, who cares? I was like, why why would they think they needed that? I guess to establish this Earth that they're not near anymore. I guess, yeah. I mean, I guess that's why, but I didn't think they needed it. Um, What what, what bothers me about it is that it's, so, okay. Although it sets up the last, it sets up the last shot, obviously. Well, yeah, it sets up the last shot, but here's, I guess, the issue because I, I think the last shot is both cool but also frustrating because I think there's gonna be a takeaway that, in my opinion, is not correct. Where I think the clo- the first Cloverfield film is not the same Earth as this film is. Yeah, I agree. Not the same thing we're talking about either yeah i think they both they both have the same monster which just makes me think there's multiple kinds of this monster but i think they not the same monster it's not the same monster but i think there's going to be a lot of people that walk away thinking and trying to line up those especially because you know netflix premiered a trailer that directly says see how it all began and it shows footage from the first cloverfield film so you're going to naturally kind of think that these are the same earths um and just by nature of seeing other movies in general you have you you have certain expectations and ideas that come from not this movie, and so by having that final shot, it's like, well, that's cool, but you might think you might walk away with with differing understandings of how things. Now, I guess that's not a horrible problem to have. It's like, hey, we have different opinions on things, whatever. But at the same time, it's like I think there's a deliberate way they're trying to connect things, but not in the way that one could perceive it. If that makes sense, right? Also, can we all agree? Um, Yancey brought this off off podcast, so I have to give him credit. But can we all agree that Life and Alien Covenant are way better than this? <laughs> so Aaron I will not agree, I'm sure, but I think you're well, absolutely right, Pete. Well, oh, come on, Alien Covenant. Let me. Like, I know we have problems, but come the on, Alien Covenant like, is, is fifty times better than this movie. I, I mean, it's heartbreaking how how idea free and passion free this movie is compared to that movie which we all took for granted we all saw that together we all kind of didn't like it when it came out alien alien covenant now i look at that that is like a, that's like the, the, the sistine chapel compared to this i certainly <laughs> think not the, even the same i certainly not even I, the same medium i think the the artistry at play there with ridley scott what he's trying to do and the the double michael fassbender performances was automatically a good thing I mean, that, that makes it a better movie. Life, I had to reread my life review because I had to refresh myself on life, which I think speaks for how much I like life already, where it's like, not much. Um, oh, I like life. Really? I like life. I like life, too. I like life I, more than this. Yeah, good, good Ryan Reynolds role. Like, the, yeah. the, main, the main thing I remember about life is like, this looks expensive because everyone's floating all the time. So it's like, this doesn't look easy to make. Like, that was my main kind of thought that I had. <laughs> but, and I, what I, it, it was that and how much I hated the monster thing. Not like hated as in like, it's a shoot, it's a crappy design. It's no, it's just like I had like legit emotional hatred towards this thing because it was just mean all the time. So it's a very cynical I, movie. Um, the design's and, really cool on it. 
No, it's a great design. No, I just mean the right. what it's trying it's to mean. do to you is trying to make you upset because it's just like it has no real meaning except to be a horrible thing that wants to take over everything. It's like right. Well, that's, right. and it's, it has a great final shot that's also incredibly you know a giant downer. Um, right. So does that make also, it, that, does it make I mean, both of those better than this movie? Perhaps I would suppose so. Yes. I mean they they both make more sense. I think. And Alien, I mean, Alien will probably get better over time. It'll be better regarded yeah. over time of what it's trying to do. But I think the more you separate yourself from the humans in that movie, the better the movie is. That said, I still don't like CG Alien. I still don't like Z- CG Xenomorph. It's just like, come on. Like, you really just kind of know what to me a small potato. Yeah. Alien Covenant, you can watch Alien Covenant and go like, God, I wonder what Ridley Scott, I wonder what this means to him. I wonder what he's mean, I wonder what he means to say by this movie. I wonder what that moment means. There's nothing like that in these Cloverfield movies. There's not I, a I, single I, moment I, that has any layering beyond the obvious actions i i agree with that it's just i don't like that really scott's basically fighting with fox to make his like weird you know existential robot movie versus making a straight-up slasher horror movie with an alien in it like it's well that's why it's not as good as alien that's exactly why it's not as good as alien but it also does make me not like it as much as i could because it's i I can clearly see him wanting to do one thing while caving into another thing so i'd like to say that like i'd like to say that like um i agree with you guys um the whole notion of um, the it, ever since the xenomorphs have become computer generated, they they're not as interesting as the guy in the suits or the practical effects. It was one of the reasons that I really liked Life was yeah. the monster in Life has to be computer generated and it works very well. It's like it's oh, that's not great. based on the man in suit paradigm from sixty years ago, which yeah, is it's, nice. It's a nebulous thing. It's just like all right, there's a thing that kills things, whatever. Like the, I mean we'll it see. looks it looks good for what it is, but the uh, the function of it is not to convey scariness based off of what we can't show yeah. you. It's we'll show you this thing, but you should be more responding to the results of that thing. Right. And also I will say though, to give a little credit to proto- um, protocol, sorry, to Paradox. Paradox. I did like the arm thing. I liked when yeah. the arm goes on the wall. That's the best that's a, scene. That's yeah, a that's pretty the best good scene. scene. Like, yeah, I, I liked all that. Um, yeah, you know. So, I don't know. I mean, for me on the on the on the Aaron uh, when he used to do out of five, this he is like still does. like it's just because you keep changing, you change from grades to numbers to whatnot. So it's like I don't, it doesn't matter to me. No, no, you, no, no, no. You're the your new where you reviewing. You you go out of ten now. Well, it depends. If it's on we, this is not matters. But if it's on We Live Entertainment, yes, it's out of ten. If it's on Wise of Blue, it's out of five. Oh, okay. Well, it's, on the, the, it's the same the thing. Wise it's just times two. Like that's the only difference. On the Why So Blue scale, you gave it a three out of five. Is that right? Yes. I would go two. Okay. I'm assuming Yancey is one. No, I go two. Oh, okay. Okay. So to wrap it up, then, when should people go and see this movie? Which is a weird thing to say because it's a Netflix movie. Um, but should people watch this on Netflix immediately? Should they, if they're fans, or should they, what? What should they do? I mean, if you're a fan of Cloverfield, I guess you got to check it out. But honestly, beyond that, I mean, if it's two don't. o'clock in the morning and you already watched another movie and you're still yeah. going to put this on, it's free, it's new. Yeah, I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm more enjoying the. Uh, I forgot what it was called, but there's the same time that this went up. There's a. Um, there's a Adam Devine, Alexandra Daddario rom-com that just went up, and I'm like, oh, this looks kind of charming. So I've, I've watched a little of that. I'm more into that right now. But um, it's funny, Groundhog's you know, Day right after... type movie. Is that what that thing's going for? Yeah, it's like a yeah, it's a Groundhog Day. But I mean, I like the two leads. Oh, and also, <clears throat> I know we're a movie podcast, but 
I, I, I would really rather have people watch Altered Carbon. Like, I think that's way more interesting than the Cloverfield thing. So it's sci-fi, so. right? So it's like a Blade Yeah, sci-fi, so that's why. Thing. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, oh, wait, I heard. <clears throat> sorry, Aaron, I'm not sure if you've heard this. Um, I heard from a friend that they already shot or are in production with the next Cloverfield. Is that true? They, the rumor is that there is already a fourth Cloverfield that's set in World War II. Um, Overlord. It was originally called Overlord. That is that involve. I think it involves Nazis and aliens, which is like, well, why not? But, but um, no, yeah, that one's already like done, and I don't know when that's coming out. But it's Cloverfield, so it doesn't matter. It'll come out when it comes out, and you'll be like, oh, that's thing. Yes. I that, wish they could have teased that at the end of this one. That might have been a better move. Maybe they did. You don't even Moving know. Moving back to the big screen. Maybe you know, they I mean, did. Like, you like, don't even. You don't even know yet. Maybe they already did. No, <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. Like, is don't that... worry. We're going back to the movie theaters. One bigger budget. It'll be fun. But you yes. know, it's me about that is that um when the first cloverfield came out and i was reminded of this i can hear yancy's eyes rolling when you said that <laughs> no when the first cloverfield movie came out the monster in the monster in cloverfield mm -hmm. the design reminds me of the mon of the characters in at the time it was the playstation 3 uh debut shooter resistance yeah Yep. There's a similar cut, and Resistance is a World War II alternate universe, so that's yes. kind of interesting that the next Cloverfield is a war thing. So I was like, oh, that's kind of a weird, like, huh. That monster is still not a this well-designed monster. I like yeah. that monster. What I don't like about that monster is that it led to other very similar designs and other J.J. Abram things, like that Star Trek, uh, the Star super. Trek reboot is like the exact same monster when, like, Kirk gets thrown onto whatever planet after whatever oh, yeah. blows up. That's when I stopped liking the movie, by the way. It's like that second half where he conveniently gets thrown onto a planet, a monster's there, and then Spock's there all in the same time. But regardless, <laughs> I don't want to talk about the first Cloverfield too much. They've talked about it before, and I really like it. I don't need to get into debate about it again. <laughs> wait, can I ask? Wait, Aaron. Aaron, out of the Why So Blues out of fives, <laughs> what is your what are your rankings for these? What what are the grades? One, two, three, four. Or one, two, three. <laughs> like, it's the first oh, no, one's no, the no, best no, one. Sorry. And then... Is it a is the first Cloverfield a five out of five or a four out of five? <laughs> what would I rate it? I don't know. Like I I do I I legit think it's a modern classic of what it's doing and what it's brought since then in its own ways, whether that's positive or negative. But and I do think it's a great movie. So I don't know four out of five, four and a half out of five. I don't know. And I what mean, about I've, I've watched it a ton. No, when I you're think, saying modern classic, you're using classic not in terms of quality, but in terms of influence, right? I think I'm using it as both. I'm using it as both because I do think it's a, especially after watching the like special features on this, there is so much going on to make that movie work as far as the effects and what it's not showing you and what it's covering up digitally and whatnot to make a monster in a New York movie on like a what a ten million budget or whatever. Like there's there's yeah. there's so much at work there that shows me how great of a director Matt Reeves is, which has very much shown itself because look at these Planet of the Apes movies made. But, he has um, proved himself since then to be very good. But I, when I first heard the guy from Cloverfield was doing the Let Me In, I was like, oh, we're in trouble. <laughs> but yes, I think it's both influential and quality-wise from my from my perspective. Ten Cloverfield, Lane, I guess, is, is what is, is a four. It's a really good movie. It's not as to me, it's not as good as Cloverfield. But yeah, so it's you know. Okay. But yeah. So what, I was answering your question about yeah. So there's a World War II one that's coming out sometime that's presumably already been filmed. And then after that, there's another rumor that apparently, like, Daisy Ridley might be involved in a fifth one that might be currently filming. Oh. Oh. And then the sixth one will be the Cloverfield All-Star, is where John... <laughs> of course, yes, they all come together. Forces. Yeah. Yes. The Fast and Furious of the Clover. Yes, exactly. Yeah, Clover 6. Exactly. That's what I was looking for. <laughs> all 
all right well that's that's our thoughts on the cloverfield paradox is on netflix now feel free to you know email us let you let us know your thoughts on the cloverfield paradox and uh, let's move on now let's get to some out now feedback 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 where we go over some of the questions and answers on our facebook page facebook.com slash out now podcast we go over the number of questions that you guys at that we asked you guys and you gave us answers then you gave us some questions that we will provide answers for uh, Peter Yancey, feel free to you know blend your thoughts on any of these questions we're about to go through here. First one here is what? Okay, when was the last time you saw a movie at random with almost no information previews to inform you? What was it? Chris writes, nearly impossible these days with so much information out there. Last time I properly watched a film without any info was from Dust Till Dawn, and it certainly had the right effect on me. It's a good answer. Uh, <sighs> Shalem writes, Napoleon Dynamite. The ticket salesperson told me to wait after the credits. Also. Uh, Nathan writes The Edge of Seventeen, and it was awesome. Philip writes The Limehouse Golem was a 99-cent rental, and I stumbled across on Amazon, and I really enjoyed it. And Renee writes Baby Driver. Any movies that you saw that you just have like no, you had no info on? I can't. I'm trying to think. I can't. Interestingly, Covenant is. I think I didn't know anything. I mean, obviously, I knew it was an alien movie, but I don't think anyone. I don't think when we saw that, we didn't know a single thing. There hadn't been a single review yet. We didn't know anything about the plot at all. Um, that was the last time. I do it quite a bit, actually. There's a lot, like when it's, it, especially when it comes to both horror movies and um, like the some indie films with mainly like foreign language nominees, where I don't know, I I purposely avoid the trailers. I'm like, well, if it's a horror movie that has like a lot of buzz behind, it, like there's one coming out called Hereditary that was at Sundance that got like a lot of reviews. I've, I there's a trailer, oh, right. yeah. there's a trailer that came out. I've not watched it yet. I tend to not watch, especially horror movies, actually, because I like to just be completely unaware because it generally reveals stuff that I don't need to know. And it's like I'm already going to go in because of some director or star or what have you. So there's a lot that I go into on those where I know nothing about them. And I'm generally very happy with that, regardless of how much I like the movie. Because it's like, okay, that was actually really worthwhile because I didn't know anything going in. Um, and then foreign language films because it's like, well, it's up for an Oscar for Best Foreign Language Film. Why not? Let's see what this is like. Like, So it, it happens quite a bit with me. But yeah, with the you know general... I, I, as much as I avoid trailers, I do like the art of the trailer, which is why I like talking about trailers every week. So it's... I, I'm not generally going to avoid them when it comes to like these big movies or certain other ones that come out. Comedies I try to avoid too these days, actually, because it's like you're going to reveal a lot of jokes. Oh, you know, um, uh, I I don't know anything about the Square. I heard uh -huh. it's great. I didn't so, either. I didn't I didn't know anything going into the Square. I've seen it twice. Yeah, <laughs> like, so when I finally see it, that yeah, I I know nothing about it except that there's that guy on the table without with his shirt off. Yeah, like, I, know, but, I, I knew that. Yeah, and I knew that's it was from the director, the director of Force Majeure. So I'm like, why not? What this this will be, this be something. All right. Uh, next question. What's your favorite space-based disaster movie? Jim Dietz, friend of the show, writes, The OGs of the genre, 2001, Alien, and to a lesser extent, Marooned. Uh, Philip writes, Apollo 13, and I like the first two acts of Sunshine well enough. Chris writes, Aliens and Event Horizon. Shalem writes, Gravity was awesome. And Jacob gave us a gif of an alien facehugger on the face of John Hurt. So there you go. They're movies, though. Disaster would seem to preclude the alien movies. I think uh, Disaster is like I think Marooned or... No, but I mean, like, yeah, gravity. I can see that being. A I mean, if an alien movie. took over your spaceship, you'd be like, "Yeah, it was. It was, it was an event." <laughs> I think. I think you called that a disaster. <laughs> like, that's well, this was Cloverfield was a definitely a disaster movie in that way too. Cutting away to her husband on Earth is a classic disaster movie move. You know. Yeah. Um, that's a good question. Marooned. Marooned with Pete. Um, you got one. I can't think of any. Hmm. I, th I mean, Apollo 13 and Gravity would be the ones that... I'd, that well, of course, yeah. I mean, if 2001 counts, obviously that's the winner, but that's not a disaster movie. Plus, <laughs> Mankind is the disaster. I mean, I, 
I think you're thinking too much of like I think you're thinking too much of like Irwin Allen disaster movies. I'm just thinking like a disaster that occurred during your space mission, and I'd say no. In that in that case, the answer is Apollo 13. That's 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 that's, yeah. I think that's clearly like a tense movie about a spaceship falling apart with people inside it. (laughs) All right, let's keep moving. Favorite film where a mysterious character or stowaway is involved, which we did not talk about whatsoever in Paradox, by the way. But that is not a good element to that movie. It just goes nowhere, really. Oh, the yeah, weird. Uh, Dennis writes Alien, uh, stowaway. Oh, Philip, yeah, writes, Philip writes Cloud Atlas has at least a few of these characters, and uh, Jordan writes Lost in Space. Wow. So we all went sci-fi on this, but just favorite. I was just thinking in general, favorite movies where a mysterious character or stowaway is involved. Favorite movie where a mysterious character involved. It, it, that, that's a lot of movies. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, like, like gets like like a stowaway, like kind of becomes involved like Ray, in the plot, like Ray Winstone and Noah. <laughs> sure. Didn't yeah. stow away. Yes. <laughs> oh, what about Up? Yeah, oh, Up. There you go. One. That's a good one. That's a good one. That's how you step away. Yes, Up. Yeah. It's a good answer. Let's just leave it there. Let's move to the next question. <laughs> uh, favorite body horror film? Philip Wright's Never Ooh. Let Me Go. And that's all we got, strangely. Maybe people just didn't see the question in time, but because there's a lot of great, you know, Cronenberg is like an, <laughs> the, the the answer to this question. But uh, yeah, the fly, the fly would, is the greatest body horror movie. Yeah, I, mean, I would say I, the fly like by the default. Movie. Yeah, I, I question. Mean, I, I wrote this down myself just to remind myself. Do you think zombies count as body horror, or they just count as a zombie movie? No, there's I don't know because the fly is really a man being horrified as his body falls apart. That's yeah, really body horror. That's what body horror. Yeah, it re- relies on that kind of filmmaking to like really show I feel you like the... zombies are already dead you got to be alive to be a victim of a body yeah but like the, I, I guess I'm is. thinking I'm thinking more of when they attack you and they you know dismember you or what have you that's you know okay Apollo 13 is body horror <laughs> they smashed they would have got smashed up and their bodies would have got smashed nah, I think no I think the fly is the, I think that's that's the fly is the ultimate movies. example for sure I, I agree with that but you could all of course there's probably six other Cronenberg movies would also I mean, well yeah, most. I mean, his non-horror movies are body horror movies. I mean, so yeah, yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, even the one about Freud and uh, and and Jung was like a yeah, body a dangerous horror method. Movie. Yes, it was yeah. a body horror movie. I think Del Toro certainly likes to have body horror fun in his movies at times. Not necessarily making them straight up body horror, but he certainly has imagery um, that I can think of. Same with Peter Jackson. He's got his own corner. Too. Yeah, yeah. Peter Jackson, for that matter, too. I think kind of goes for it in his earlier movies. Not the you know. Not the the trilogy. <laughs> you like Dead Alive and uh, yeah, Dead Alive, Dead Alive, yes. <laughs> Bad taste. Let's see, Reanimator. Yeah, that doesn't that doesn't qualify as body horror for me. Body it, horror. Let's not focus on I guess the pain of this or you know what the. No, not the pain, but that's really the engine of the thing is the transformation, I guess, yeah. of the body or the body being degen- degraded or degenerated. I mean, Fantastic Four, they tried to sell that as a body horror, that recent Fantastic Four, right? There's the layers of this that we'll probably discuss more in, like, another October horror special, because this will be an interesting topic to go into, what qualifies as body horror. And whose life is it anyway? No, that's bad taste. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next question. Favorite films or biopics featuring the actual people or first-time actors involved? This is, of course, in reference to the 1517 to Paris. Uh, Philip writes, best I can come up with is Jason Scott Lee's first big role, Dragon, the Bruce Lee story. I need to rewatch it, but I enjoyed it big time back in the early 90s. He's not playing himself. No, but like I, I said, actual people or like first-time actors. Oh, okay, yeah, because it's a not the biggest of genres or ideas. Uh, and Gary writes uh, to Helen back, which has I believe it's like a soldier who played like Audie Murphy. Audie yeah, Murphy. Audie Murphy. There we go. Yeah. Audie Murphy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's funny because uh, thinking about the uh, fifteen seventeen, I was like, what are the other movies? But you know, there's like the Jackie Robinson story starring Jackie Robinson. Yeah. 
Um, there's a few of those. Obviously, United 93 had some of the actual uh, guys on the, the air floor. Traffic, the, yeah. Air traffic. And that's, that's a lot of first and that's a lot of first time actors and whatnot, too. Like, it's a mix of. I'm trying to think. I feel like the answer should be something where it's a really great performance as a known historical figure. How, you have Howard something. Stern as Howard Stern in private parts. Howard Stern as Howard Stern. Who else debuted as well? What was Chadwick Boseman? He, that was neither one of those was his debut, right? Like forty two or forty two. Well, Point. he was in the Express before that, which is like you know a football movie based off of a real. He does a lot of biopics. <laughs> that Chadwick. Right. Um, hmm, I think that's a good question. Trying to think of other. There's. It's gotta be said. <laughs> when we ask this, I keep thinking of a movie that doesn't exist, but the one that Daniel Bruhl played in *Inglorious Bastards*, where he plays himself in the sniper movie that that um, Goebbels right. was Goebbels was directing in that version of the movie. Right. Which Hitler proclaimed to be his best movie ever, and then Goebbels got rid I love Inglorious Bastards. It's, it's just a great movie top to bottom. But, um, I do like that one more and more over the years, yeah. If we think of any, just shout them out. Um, yeah. Next question, last question. Favorite children's book turned into a film? In reference to Peter Rabbit. Uh, Chris writes Coraline or The Fantastic Mr. Fox. Gary writes Secret Garden. And Philip writes When Marnie Was There. Any favorite children's books turned into films? I will say that just because I watched it last night at about 2 o'clock in the morning, I got home and my girlfriend went to sleep and I watched um, The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad from 1940-whatever. I'm going to say that one. I really enjoy that. Did you watch that that and Mr. Toad back-to-back? Well, no, Mr. Toad and... Oh, no, what's Mr. Toad? Is that a... It's the th- it's a because that movie's like a two part movie. It's the no, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I watched like, it, it. It's weird. It's a two. It's, a, it's half an hour for Mr. Toad, The yep. Wind of the Willows, and then half an hour for Sleepy Hollow. But it, it I really like that movie. No, it's good. Probably I mean, not the, the, the Sleepy Hollow in particular has some creepy animation in it. Like it's it, it, oh, that's great. That works. Classic man. It's so scary that sequence where he's. I mean, it still works. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, that was a treat. I mean, Fantastic Mr. Fox is generally my answer. I just, Anna and I just watched uh, Where the Wild Things Are in recent weeks, which I'm a big fan oh, of. I love that movie, too. I love that film. movie. Yeah, I think it's a great movie. Yeah. That's a good one. That's a really good answer, Aaron, actually, Where the Wild Things Are. Someone yeah. was just telling me how they thought that was terrible. And I was like, everybody really? says that. I, I heard that a lot why. when it came out. I was like, what movie did everyone else watch? I really like yeah, this. I mean, well, you, I, took I, a, you took a 20 like page a book and turned it into this, like, this, like, this, this movie about adults reckoning with childhood type thing. It's like, this is interesting. Oh, it's great. <laughs> yeah, I was like, well, the only thing good is the arcade fire soundtrack. And I was like, that's oh, not true. It's group think again. No one gets to decide for themselves. It's, it's, it's a stock answer everyone has to give. Yeah, I, I liked it. I, I can't. I do love also Fantastic Mr. Fox. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I can't think of an example. Well, I mean, Mr. I, I like Wonka. The Chocolate Factory is great. Willy Wonka, yeah, Willy Wonka. There you go. Bambi. I don't even know if that's a children's book, though. No. But Bambi is an amazing. Is Never Ending Story a, uh, a book? First? Yeah, it's a book. That's good. So. Princess uh, Bride? Princess Bride is a book. There's a lot of them, aren't there? Yeah, there's a lot of those. Yeah, they're all pretty good. Um, Not all pretty good. <laughs> no, no, the, the ones we're mentioning. Sorry. I mean, like, I, I can't believe I can't think. I'm sure there was one that I really love the way, like, Aaron loves Fantastic Mr. Fox. I just, sorry, I can't think of an example right now. No vote for Stuart Little 2. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what? I, this may be a controversial one, but I saw... I apologize for not having seen a lot of the recent Best Picture or Oscar nominees, but I have been seeing a lot of revival screenings because that's what, uh, with my girlfriend, she likes to go see a lot of these things. We went to see the original Jumanji from 1997. Oh, I haven't boy. seen the new one yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought it was pretty fun. I kind of enjoyed it. It's not because I was on a date. But I, mean, I just thought it was, I, you know, that's based on a book, right? I think that's a pretty solid movie. Listeners know I'm not a Jumanji fan. <laughs> Either one. 
the, the, new, the new one's fine. It's fun. But the, the new one's awesome. The, the like, first, what's the knock on the old one? I don't understand. It's it's a it's a, it's a solid like it keeps going. I don't know. It's it's got. A, I think it. Be, I, I think it looked bad in '96 with those effects, and I not acknowledging that from that time, I was like, oh, these monkeys are terrible. I thought that in '96 or whatever, but this time I was like, nah, those are pretty good in terms of '96. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, well, you haven't seen it since then, right? I've I've seen it in bits and pieces over. I've, well, I've seen it multiple times in a whole since then, but not recently, but I've certainly seen bits and pieces. But it's also really a, a really mean movie. That's what I did really disliked about it. I thought it was very, very mean-spirited, this game. I think that's probably what I like about it. <laughs> well, Temple of Doom is my favorite Indiana Jones movie, so I guess I do like them, the mean-spirited stuff. But... Yeah, but I'll take Spielberg over you know Joe Johnson, who I otherwise really like. That might be Joe Johnson's best movie. No, no, it's not. <laughs> no. It might be. It might be. I like The Rocketeer, but that might be his best movie. Jumanji's not Joe Johnson's best movie. Moving on to be. the next question. <laughs> he hasn't made a lot of good movies, guys. That might be his best movie. He hasn't made a lot of movies. I'm not going to put Jumanji up there. Best movie. <laughs> I, I only saw Jumanji. Well, I don't remember it. So I, I didn't can't. like October Sky. That's him, right? October Sky, yeah. Didn't like it. <laughs> Let's, that uh... was Dishwater. Oh, Black Stallion's great. There I'm sorry. <laughs> there we go. I'm, looking, I'm looking at lists online. I'm like, oh, Black Stallion. That was really yeah, good. Like, that is great. I never like, read that book, but that is a great movie. I haven't seen Black Stallion in like, probably two decades, but I recall it being Oh, like, Watership like, Down? That's a pretty good movie. I mean, again, is it for kids? It, yeah, <laughs> it's, for, it's for kids. It's on Criterion, so clearly kids love that. Uh, uh, dying Rabbits and Bloody Rabbits. Let's move on. Let's get to our question. Uh, the Wizard got, of Oz? I mean, anyway. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Everyone reads uh, Sinclair. Um <laughs> let's get to our question we were asked jason asks us uh do you think too many streaming services will be bad for tv and film markets in the in a few years well i mean i think we're already we're we're already kind of reaching that glut of there's just a lot of pretty mediocre content out there but i don't know i mean you know what? How, about, how about this um, my, my movie reaction is to say, yes, that like it is bad, but then I get this weird thing where I remember a few years ago, somebody told me that like, while I was watching, I don't know, Orange is the New Black or something like that, people were, someone was saying that Netflix is like their most successful thing was that Adam Sandler, what was it? The Ridiculous, the Ridiculous Six or Six, yeah. And it reminds me of like how Netflix, it's a weird thing because the movies that a lot of the movies that you see on your banner when you come up are kind of curated towards your taste, but I don't necessarily, I mean, nothing against I mean, good. It's a, it's a flawed algorithm. I would say, I don't think yeah, it's a weird is. thing. Right. So there's a part of me that's kind of like, I wonder about how, how smaller and less seen things are, are going to get noticed. But on the other end, I'm like, I mean, it's, look, if there's a lot of really good content or, or hopefully enjoyable content, it, with stuff that you like, I mean, I mean, I guess that's good. So I don't know. Um, I have absolutely no uh, comment on that question, but I will say, talking about the algorithm, I do have a funny story. I don't know if I told this one before. Uh, you ever see the Woodsman, that Kevin Bacon movie? Yeah, where he plays a child. A, a child I heard that was good. Good movie. I'd never seen it. I always wanted... out new. I think this year too. Oh, the same director. Keep going. Yeah, keep going. I'll look it up. Keep going. Anyway, it was. It was. Re- I, I. I. I always wanted to see it, and finally it popped up on Netflix, and so I watched it. Really liked it. Great Kevin Bacon performance. Certainly, I certainly didn't seek it out because it's about child molestation. But in any case, I find it very odd that the next day I came back and it said, because you watched The Woodsman and the number one choice, the BFG. 
That, <laughs> that, I almost took a picture of that. That was really weird to me. That's a weird connection. Somebody else is watching those two movies back to back. <laughs> the director of the I looked it up. The director of the Woodsman, Nicole Castle, has done a lot of TV, and she's doing the um, the pilot episode of the Watchmen series that HBO's putting together. That's what. Oh, that's wait. going forward. I can't wait for that. Yeah, that was that's what wait, it was in the news. So. Is wasn't there a movie? Is it Mad's Mickelson? Is there a movie Mads Mickelson did where he was accused of being a child molester? Yeah, The Hunt, which was on my top ten list a few years ago. I really okay. Wait, are you saying Yancey the Woodsman? Is he actually a child molester, or is he just? Yes, he is. Like he's, he, he was a child. He was. He, he did time for child molestation. Then he gets. They, they basically relocate him, and it's kind of a tough pill to swallow. But they relocate him in an apartment that's across the street from a grade school, and then he thinks he sees another child molester that's in a, 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 a working the kids there, and that becomes the sort of tension. Um, and you don't know oh, if it's just okay. him. Because the only movie I can think of that did a really good, like, uh, like a sympathetic child molester is a uh, happiness, right? Like he's totally a child molester. X-Files, I want to believe. Thank you what's very much. The, what's the, the, is it Haynes or no, Field, Todd Field. The Todd Field oh, Little Children, yeah. Little oh, Children, yeah, with uh, Jackie Jack, 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 Jack yeah. Haley. Speaking of Watchmen, Jackie Earl that was like his big, like, comeback movie. Yeah, you're right. About because that. we because we constantly see Jackie or Hurley movies now, but still, he's, but he. He's but I like, would I would say that the guy in Happiness is even more of a sympathetic character. What's that actor's name? He's a good actor. Oh, Dylan um, Baker. Dylan Baker, yes. Um, Connors from one of the Spider-Man series. From all three. <laughs> right. the, the I feel like series, yeah. I feel like um, Jackie Earl Haley Haley gets a little. He gets a little villainy. I mean, he he gets, he's, he's so creepy after a while that I'm like, I don't know if we're really. Well, I think like, that's more because Dylan Baker looks like a likable dad, where Jackie Earl Haley looks yes. like Jackie Earl Haley, so you kind of naturally assume certain. Well, I mean, they that's also, why Happiness is a totally transgressive, shocking movie. Yeah, it's, it's way different also. Where little, little Children is, is sort of, but you can buy that that's how this guy would be, you know. And Todd Fields, I mean, that's, you know, he has a way of playing things with the bigness of certain scenarios set in small areas. Regardless, is yes, he making another are... movie? What's up with Nick Nightingale, man? Has he got another movie coming, that Todd Fields? I don't know. It's been a while. Two really good movies. Yeah. Wait, what? I, Nick, I would call him Nick Nightingale because that's the character he plays in Eyes Wide Shut, the pianist who gets yeah. killed. He Todd Field, that's the director of Little Children and uh, In the Bedroom, both of which I thought were great. But in I'm wondering the, yeah, what the, the next. Bedroom, yeah. I wonder what the next thing is. It's been a while. Huh. Well, before we move on, let's. I had another question that was just asked to me by Anna. Um, she had a question about ten uh, the Cloverfield paradox. Um, would you guys think that there'd be a better way to make this story work if it was divided into like a six-part miniseries oh god <laughs> sure because you can get into actually you can, you can get into all into the, the characters stuff. yes if you had six no if you had six hours you could get into all the crazy stuff like the arm that we wanted to see more of you get into a million of those crazy things and you could really acclimate the viewer to the idea that the rules are that there are no rules um but i think in 90 minutes it doesn't. They, they aren't able to do it. I don't. But, wouldn't want to see six hours of that shit. But <laughs> well, six hours of this exact movie. Yes, that'd be stretching it. But I think six hours, given the time and breathing room to make these characters resonate in some way and to make yeah, to make it more clear that well, I think combining you know, universes make universes do weird things. Yes, I think that. I think when Pete says that he thinks that altered carbon, he wishes people would watch that instead. I think that's really what you're responding that's to. Speaking, is, I yeah. haven't seen that show. But that's got ten hours to tell its story. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming right, that's a right. whole different. Yeah, you know. That, that, leads Pretty, to, that leads to another discussion we could have down the road where it's like, what is, where does cinema go when a response to things is to think, what if we turned everything into a miniseries? Because there's obviously a lot of pros that come from that, but there's also a lot of cons as far as economical filmmaking. 
Well, the interesting one to talk about, and I don't think you're interested, Aaron, but I know Pete finally saw it, is that Twin, no, Twin Peaks, the, this year's Twin Peaks. Is, is it a movie? Is it a series? Should have been half as long, should have been twice as long. I mean, that's an interesting discussion. Yeah, I yeah, agree. I mean, it's a discussion. It's just I, I don't see where saying that's a movie makes any sort of sense. It's not a movie. That's just that seems like a bottom line answer. It's like if you want to make I don't see, but to me, but and it's funny, the same thing to me, it's like, but it is. I mean, it's. What I'm saying, it, it, when I'm, I haven't done a top ten list, but if I did, it would, Twin Peaks would be number one. I mean, because, just because something is more cinematic doesn't just make it a movie all the time. No, same. not more cinematic. I guess what I'm talking about is what movies, no one is admitting this, but what movies and TV have incredibly in common is that it's shot, edited, written, and that, that they're the same thing. They're a different shape. But to me, the surface that you watch the thing on is not that important. You could watch Twin Peaks on, on, on a phone. You could watch Cloverfield on a movie screen i mean to me what makes it a movie is that it's shot and edited um so whatever you want to call it, it's not film it's, saying cinema means it, it implies a snobbery but to me it's it's the same thing in different shapes and it's very hard for me not to consider twin peaks I and mean, even the fuck the, the the vietnam war that ken burns thing like as, as a film it's hard for me when it's one director that's when i sort of go well how is it not a film twin peaks the return is only not a film because of its length I don't think that's a justification because well, I, I mean, but it's also it's not telling its story in a piece. I mean, it is de- it is deliberately divided up into sections that can that have a beginning, middle, and end for you know multiple times in a row. That to me, have you seen that show? I, <laughs> I, I get it's Lynchian, but I still th- even then, and I can't speak to his writing process, but he still had to devise a series that that you know had a completion point every week for multiple weeks. That makes it that to me makes it a TV show. So then, but then well, nobody's, argue, course, but no, nobody's arguing then that these the franchise movies are television. Shouldn't we be right, arguing right. Star Wars is I mean, television that's... because it's it's just about episodes now? I, right, I think I think the... there's a good argument to make for those things. At the same time, right, though, was... they do have a. They're not episodes of the same. Thi- they're part of a. Se- I mean, it's a, it's a different conversation. Okay, we did, we did, we did move I, no, no, that was the joke. That was the right? joke when um <laughs> when the Force Awakens came out. People were like, "Oh, the new season of Star Wars looks pretty good." I mean, so yeah. <laughs> Aaron, Aaron, have you seen Duel? You've seen Duel, right? Yes. That's a television show. It's a TV movie. It's not a television. I know, show. but that, that's just a movie, right? They showed it on television. Does it's it a movie they showed on television. Yes, I still consider it a movie. It just the. Whatever I mean, it's you want, design, it's designed. It's designed around commercial breaks. It's got like it's got like those, those beats. I mean, but that's a movie. It doesn't. It, it, I think the real answer is it doesn't matter <laughs> what you label it. I mean, I, I just feel like how can there, how can we really, how can we argue that t- TV and film aren't similar enough that the greatest achievements in both in a year are worth discussing together? I, Semantics is not as interesting as did you see what David Lynch did with this thing? Well, did you see what? pt anderson do with his thing i, mean, it's, I, I it's don't i don't disagree thing. with that sentiment at the same time i wouldn't award a you know twin peak regardless sight unseen of course i wouldn't award twin peaks with an oscar just because it you know like fits into this kind of different sort of discussion well yeah the any more any more than i'd give phantom thread or whatever thor ragnarok you know emmys because of like what it did yeah it'd be interesting if they started doing that <laughs> <laughs> be boosting ratings that's for sure <laughs> We decided Phantom, Phantom Thread is television. Yeah. Best, best <laughs> Next week on Phantom Thread. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's move. That was that was a good question. Thank you, Anna. Um, let's let's move on now. Let's get to our. What time is it? We got time. It's uh, it's time for games. <laughs> you woke up my cat with that. Good. That's what I. <laughs> that's to be the tagline for this podcast. We'll wake up cats. Um, <laughs> That should be the title. <laughs> yes, that is, of course, the improv theme for games. I have a game for you guys this week. It is called 2018, A Space Oddity. Pause for right. laughter. 
Uh, <laughs> um, I've been big on the taglines lately when I make my games, so I'm going to read you taglines from films that all have to do with movies that have some sort of dimensional or disastery type thing involved in them. Not necessarily space movies, but some kind of transportative type movies, if you know what I mean. And not just from 2018, obviously. Not just from 2018. Just, yeah, right, yeah. Okay. If you think you know the answer, I'm uh, shout out your name and the answer. And if you don't get it off the tagline, I will try to think of more clues to kind of provide. But hopefully we'll just see what happens. All right? Cool? Yeah. All right. Here's the first one. Mankind was born on Earth. It was never meant to die here. Oh, what is that? I've stopped. Yancey. That's, yeah. I think that's Interstellar, right? Interstellar is the correct answer. Yes. I wish I didn't know that, but I do. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Here's the next one. Open your mind. Change your reality. Ooh. Open your mind. Change your reality. This is a recent film. I'll even say it's a 2016 film. A 2016 film. It's not Yancey. Yep. It's not Age of Adeline, is it? It is not Age of Adeline, no. That's a good guess. Come on. I've open, never seen that. Open your mind. Change your reality. I'm going to start reading cast members from the bottom of the list up. Okay? Here we go. <laughs> Scott Adkins. Benjamin Bratt. Michael Stuhlbarg. Tilda Swinton. Mads Mikkelsen. Oh, Yancey. Yancey? Doctor Strange? Doctor Strange is the correct answer. Ah! All right. Here's the next one. Give Evil Hell. Oh. Give Evil Hell. This is a 2004 film. It's not that one with the two redneck guys. No, it is not the one with the two redneck guys. Okay, good. <laughs> Pete, what do you think? Give Evil Hell. Is it like Hellboy or something like that? It is Hellboy. Ah, okay, yeah. Peter's barely on the board by happening into that answer. <laughs> he did not say Peter Paris. By I did not he, say Peter. He didn't, <laughs> but I'm giving it to him. Okay, here's the All next right. one. Here's the next one. Belief divides them, mystery surrounds them, but fear changes everything. Silence. Just kidding. <laughs> Keep in mind this involves dimensional type stuff. Let's hear it again. Belief divides them, mystery surrounds them, but fear changes everything. What year? This is a... What year is this? I think it's 2000 and... What year is it? Uh, 2007. There we go. Is that, the is that the same year as The Dark Knight, or is that 2008? That's 2008. This is a year before. It was a Thanksgiving release. That won't help. I just like saying that. Belief divides them... Hmm. I'm gonna if it wasn't for belief divides him, I would say it was that hotel movie with John Cusack. <laughs> oh, identity. Boy. Yeah, no, I guess it's not that. Here uh, we go. I'm gonna I'm gonna start reading some names. Yeah, boy, we suck today. Jeffrey DeMunn, William Sadler, Toby Jones, Andre Brower, Lori mm -hmm. Holden. Oh, Peter. 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 The Mist. The Mist is the oh. correct answer. Yes. That's good. That's good. Thanks. Okay. I'm on the board. Here's the next one. A world of wonders in one great picture. 
Alice Surprises had a tagline, for one thing. It is from 1951. Okay, A World of Wonders in One Great Picture. It's got to do with dimensions or disasters, and it's... I'll say right now, it has to do with other worlds. 1951 is pretty early for other worlds, so it's got to be Day of the Earth Sits Still as a Thing or Rocket... And it can't be either one of those. A World of Wonders. I'm say gonna, it again? I'm going to say A World of Wonders and One Great Picture. I'm going to say one name. Ed Wynn. Ed Wynn. The guy from The Monsters? No. That's Ed Gein. That's Fred Gwynn. That's Fred Gwynn. Ed Gein is the, seri- is the guy <laughs> from and Ed Gein is a serial killer. <laughs> Between those, you have Ed Wynn. Yeah. Ed Wynn is the guy who's in Mary Poppins who floats up to the, who laughs and floats to the ceiling. Think, <laughs> think of his voice. Oh, 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 Alice in Wonderland. Alice in Wonderland is the correct answer. I didn't say Yancey. It's okay. <laughs> we got to keep moving. Here's the next one. Somewhere in the universe, there must be something better than man. God, that sounds familiar. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this one because it was a funny other tagline that it had. An unusual and important motion picture from the author of The Bridge of the River Kwai. Oh, Yancey. Yancey? Planet of the Apes. Planet of the Apes is the correct answer, which celebrated its 50th oh, anniversary this nice. week. That's a line from Planet of the Apes about man, isn't it? Probably. That's a Charlton Heston it's probably, line. Yeah, yeah it sounds like line. Chuck Heston monologuing in the beginning. They made it a tagline. When he's smoking a cigar in a spaceship. Yeah, probably on his <laughs> insistence, too. It's like, hey, guys, maybe we could use one of my lines for a tagline in this movie. <laughs> Here's the next one. A message from deep space. Who will be the first to go? Yancey. Yancey? Contact. Contact is the correct answer. Oh, nice. <laughs> nice one, Yancey. Thank you. Here's the next one. How far will you go for a second chance? I know this tagline, but I can't, I, I can't see it on the poster. I will say it is a remake of a international classic. A remake of an international classic. The classic I did not use because it did not have a tagline. <laughs> is Peter? Peter? What is it? Chances are? No. It's not a remake of anything, I don't think. I wasn't sure if that was a remake. I was like, is that a remake? Yeah, like, you know, Heaven Can Wait, or... Well, I don't think that was an international... Um, international classic. It's not The Birdcage. No. <laughs> what year? 2002. The original oh. was 72. Yancey Solaris. Solaris is the correct answer. Peter oh my god, Parrot. the fake movie. I'm terrible. The one time there's a Solaris question. <laughs> Here's the next one. Two more. I'll be curious if you get this one. Ruthless invaders, a defenseless planet, and a daring band of space adventurers fight to save it. Uh, I have a guess. Okay. And it has dimension in the title. It's not Buckaroo it. Banzai? That's not it. No. Damn it. Here's a second tagline. Think... Rebels, outlaws, mercenaries, seven magnificent warriors join to fight the... Seven, like the Seven Samurai? It is a remake of the Seven Samurai. But it's got an interdimensional thing? Yes, it oh, does. Oh, I remember what it is now. Yeah. Yancy, what is it? I think it's, it's, the, it's, the, it's, the, John, it's the one that John Sales is Battle Beyond the Stars, is that, that what it's yeah, called? it's Battle Beyond the Stars, yes. Uh, I don't think I should get a point for that one. I'm not giving you a point for that one. <laughs> yeah. like, here's the last one. Space will never be the same. The other one that is that sounds like an earn that sounds like an earnest movie or something. The, the other one is boys will be boys. What? 
it directly relates to a director of one of this week's movies. It directly relates to Clint Eastwood? Perhaps. Boys will be boys. Space will never be the same. Space Cowboys? Peter, oh, Space Cowboys? Yeah. Peter, the Space Cowboys is the correct yeah. answer. That's good, that's good. Peter, you tried, but Yancey, you ran away with this game this week. You were the winner. Thanks. <laughs> good job. Thank you. All right, let's move on. Let's get to uh, Out Now, Presents this Out Now. Start wrapping up things up. These are movies that are coming out on Blu-ray or DVD this week. Uh, feel free to give a yay or nay if you hear some of these titles. Uh, first up, we have Wonder, which is quite good. I saw it. I liked it. Yeah, it's good. Next up, oh. we, next up we have Oscar nominee Roman J. Israel Esquire. I was a fan How of that movie, it? too. I, I'm aware that not many are for some reason. I, I, Isn't it <laughs> as good as Nightcrawler? No, it's not as good as Nightcrawler, but I think Denzel's very good in it. So do you think he deserved the Oscar nomination? There, I'm not surprised to see him there, and Denzel's very good in pretty much everything. But um, so it's and people like Denzel. Does he deserve to be in place of certain other folks that could have gotten there? I don't know. Could have gone either way. Could've I would like if I was going to celebrate the career of Denzel Washington, it wouldn't start with this movie. Put it that way. Ansel Edgord could have been nominated for Baby Driver if it wasn't for Denzel Washington. No. <laughs> that was happening. <laughs> Next up is uh, the Blade of the Immortal. This is the uh, the hundredth Takashi Nikkei film, I believe. Wow! No, you're kidding. Yeah, no, he thought he's made a hundred hundred movies. movies. Yeah, all winners, uh. obviously. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next up is the Ballad of Lefty Brown. This is a western with Bill Pullman, which was okay. I saw this. One. I saw a screener of this one. Um, let's see, God's Own Country, which I think is one of the foreign film nominees uh nocturama this is one i saw on netflix actually that's um, a french film that has some ideas that are disturbing but it's also affecting uh pokemon the movie i choose you i didn't expect any responses i just wanted to see what happened um let's see hellraiser judgment which has to be like what the seventh or eighth hellraiser movie yeah uh, let's see. The Deuce, season one. This is the, the uh, David Simon show with James Franco. Um, let's see. Animal Kingdom, season two. The second season of the remake of the film by David Michaud. Um, on Criterion this week, the... the No, not Criterion. That, that's later on. On um, Arrow. Arrow this week. It's The Bird of the Crystal Plumage, which I believe is a uh, Argento film. Yep, his first movie. His first, that's his first movie? Okay. Yep. Uh, let's see forget which one's doing this but the thomas crown affair 50th anniversary edition comes out on blu-ray this week that's Kino. Kino's doing that Kino doing that yeah okay yep it's either Kino or twilight I figured it'd probably be Kino or all of yeah. um leatherface texas chainsaw massacre 3 on warner archive this week curious about seeing that one again i have to admit it's been a long time i believe it has like the original cut of that movie if i'm not mistaken which yeah, one is archive. which one is three it's not Dennis Hopper. It's basically the one where it's like a slasher movie. There's no connection to the first one, and it's just yeah. Leatherface chasing people around. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've never seen it. Came out in like 1990, maybe. Yeah, it's 90, because then the then like the next generation is like 93 or four. That's the one with, with Ray, Renee Zellweger and McConaughey. McConaughey yeah, yeah. Oh, boy. They, they both sue to, <laughs> to to try to try and hold that film away. Um, let's see. Next up is Benji remastered. I've never seen Benji. It's got to be pretty good. It's, it's, got, it's got a series. remastered Blu-ray, so somebody likes Benji. <laughs> i got to see Benji one of these days. Let's see. On Scream Factory this week, Drag Me to Hell, uh, Sam Raimi's oh, 
2009 classic. Uh, great, very movie. much classic. I love that one. Wait, is it a re- is it a, a new transfer? It's, yeah, it's on Screen Factory, so you get a whole new transfer and new features and whatnot. Oh, well, I love this. Yeah, yeah, pick that up. Yeah, great and movie. Lastly, on Criterion this week, a double dose Woo-hoo! of greatness: Night of the Living Dead Criterion oh, Edition unreal. and Silence so cool. of the Lambs Criterion. Oh, <laughs> so it's like yeah, yeah. This but, is very. This is huge. That's that a they're huge doing for Criterion. <laughs> yeah. Not just that, but there hasn't been a there hasn't been a viable release of Night of the Living Dead uh, in, since the '90s. Every because you know that's a public domain movie, yeah. so mm-hmm. every ver- every version you've seen of the Night of the Living Dead has looked like crap. I'm sure compared to this 4K Criterion, it's going to be amazing. Well, well, also, when's the last time we've seen uh, Silence of the Lambs? Is that been a, when's that been redone? I've been. Well, this they, is the first. It's yeah. the it's the first because uh, Criterion had on Laserdisc way back in like the early '90s. Right. Uh, I right. owned that. I paid a hundred dollars for it. <laughs> so wow. yeah, this is a whole new release of new transfer and everything. And I've been holding back because I knew they're. I heard rumors they were doing this. So I didn't want to watch it when. Um, it's the first Jonathan restoration went, I think they've done. It's the first restoration. What, what's his name? The director, Jonathan. Uh, Demi. Demi, John, John Demi. Yeah, when he died, yes. I was like, I want to watch this right now, but I'm going to hold back because I know Criterion's going to put something up pretty soon. So yeah, so that's finally happening. Um, I assume both of them have like all new features and everything. So yeah, it's very exciting for Criterion releases. Yeah. Uh, uh, next up, extremely cool things that are coming out on Netflix this week that we can recommend in some way. Um, David Letterman's had a show. Uh, My guest needs no new no introduction, and it's like the, this month's installment, which has an interview of him and George Clooney, uh, which I've watched and it's quite good. If you like David Letterman and you like his interviews, it's neat to see him in this kind of format where it's stretched out so he doesn't have to do like the pandering questions and he can just have an actual conversation. Um, so I recommend that. And uh, Peter, you've been recommending Altered Carbon, right? Which is on Netflix now. Yeah, I like Altered Carbon. It's it's not perfect. Um, although I will say, going back a little, because it's it's not a brand new release, but um, I, I really loved uh, Twin Peaks The Return, uh, which came out on Blu-ray maybe a month ago. Is that right? It was yeah. no before the end of the year. It came out in December, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's it was incredible. Like, and I'm not a huge Twin Peaks person like Yancey and stuff, but I thought um, I'll say this to you: um, you like Mulholland Drive, right? You talking to me? Yeah, I haven't rewatched Mulholland Drive in years. Oh, so. I love because I was about to say I, I've heard some people tell me that like they feel that the return sometimes feels kind of like Mulholland Drive to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I mean, I love Mulholland Drive, so it's all good to me. Um, what was the one it's... that was after Mulholland Drive? What was... Inland Empire. Inland, Inland Empire. Em- it's like, that seems like Lynch is kind of, cause, you know, I'm not a huge Lynch guy, but that seems more like those fall in line of his current style in the same way that like Malick's movies seem to all be very similar these days. Yeah, this yeah. Twin Peaks is more like those than it is like the old show. Mm-hmm. But it's got a lot of that too. Because it has Mark Frost back. And it's a great-looking Blu-ray. Like, it's not a 4K, but I think it was a 4K transfer. No, yeah, a uh, friend of the show, Brandon Just, Peters, wrote a whole review on it. It's like, the, the release is apparently amazing as far as its quality. And, like, it has, it's like, crazy. a seven-hour making of or something on there, too. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, as far as new stuff, yes, I'm really liking – I liked Altered Carbon. So. Also on Netflix, speaking of horror films I didn't watch the trailer for, we heard a lot of great things about The Ritual is on, uh, on Netflix now. And I want to check that one out for sure. That came out this week. Uh, next week's show, next week we're talking Black Panther, um, which should be a lot of fun to discuss for a variety of reasons, mainly because Abe and I might be in the same room talking about said film, so look forward to that one. I know, that's a rarity. And, uh, yeah, last thing we do here, what should people go and see now, and what do you plan to see next? Peter Paris, what should people see in theaters right now? Um... I really like the Florida Project. Is that still in theaters? I don't know. It comes out in, like, a week. I'm 
on Blu-ray, I believe. Um, I don't know. I was going to see Coco, but I don't think I'm going to go. I think I'm going to wait because of my cold. Um, I just was, got that text too. <laughs> yeah, that was the next. Thing, that was the next thing I was going to see. And I've heard Coco's great, and I've heard and everyone keeps telling me how good Paddington Two is, uh, yeah. which I like the first Paddington, but I'm amazed. I'm amazed at how people are like, this is really great. Well, because like, it's even better than First Paddington, which is also good. Well, First Paddington is like a four, three or four out of five. I don't it's, care it's, about the numbers. I, it's a really good movie. And the second one's even better. But I mean, I'm like, it's even better. Yeah. So, uh, so I'm sorry. I guess I'm talking about things I want to see. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't, uh, yeah, unfortunately, I haven't seen a lot lately. So well, just say the post. Really, you love the oh, post. The post is still out. Just say that. Oh, you know what, though? I just realized the next thing I'm going to see is Black Panther. That's the next thing to see. There you go. It's not you to be recommended. So I think the word is out on that one. Yeah. Well, Yancey, what about you? What do you what should people see? I mean, if you can if you can find Phantom Thread, or Phantom Menace for that matter, but if you can find Phantom Thread, <laughs> I, I would go see. <laughs> I would go. See, I'm not kidding about that, but I would go see Phantom Thread. I mean, that to me was the best theatrical. That was great. Yeah. 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 And it, I think it's a kind of it benefits from seeing on a big screen. I would agree. I've when it. So I've seen it twice because I saw it the second time with Anna, and it's been a movie that's really stuck with me. It's like it's really good, like really, like really. Yeah. Like the more I've thought about it and thought about like PTA's films and how he's kind of evolved over the years and what he's, where things have gone from where he started, it's it's a very impressive movie, and I am happy to see that it got so much kind of recognition, Oscar nomination wise. Impressive and surprising. I never would have guessed the tone from even the trailers. You know. Yeah, it's it's more than meets the eye. So let's say. Yeah. Uh, what are you seeing next? Me? Yeah. Oh. um... Oh, I don't know. What am I seeing next? One of you guys will probably take me to a movie. I don't know. <laughs> uh, screening. I have nothing. I have nothing. On, oh, I was going to go see that same screening of Coco that Pete was, but I can't make it either. Um, we were going to see it with our friends. So I don't know. I, you know, I'm, I'm a free agent. No uh, well, you know what, Yancey, I mean, I'll see Black Panther. I'm sure I'll see Black Panther next weekend. So that's probably, that's probably the answer. All right. Um, um, oh, I think the next thing I'm going to see Aaron and maybe Yancey at is Red Sparrow. There's a screening of that coming up. So it's not already coming out. Wow. The right. Fox screen stuff like way in advance. I think it comes out in March. I think it's a while. It away. Yeah. Beginning of March. Yeah. So, um, I didn't realize that it's kind of like a La Femme Nikita thing. Someone told me, I haven't seen the trailer. Someone's like, Oh, it looks like La Femme Nikita. So I was like, mm, all right. Next week. Okay. Oh, uh, I would, you were saying Patton into, I would say Patton into, of course, um, Phantom thread, obviously as well. And just, yeah, there's a lot of the Oscar stuff that's out <laughs> that you can see. It's all generally good, and I mean, I'm actually going to see Black Panther again. That'd be the next thing I'm going to see. I can't think of anything else that's coming very close. Um, just making some indie stuff here or there. Um, right, it's a good point. It's a good point. You know, it's a good time. All those Oscar movies just sold out. Plus, the first few months of sort of trashier stuff. There's a lot of stuff out there if you want to see a movie. You know, yeah, worthy stuff. So with all that, that's going to do it for this week's episode of Out Now with Aaron Abe. You can find more of my work on my personal blog at CodeZeke.com. You can find me writing reviews over at Weiss is Blue and We Live Entertainment. You can find me on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. Peter Paris, where can people find more of you? Uh, you know, right now I'm uh, I'm working at um, I'm working at doing promos. I actually have a fun promo that I just did for um, this network called Comet. It's a sci-fi snakes double feature, which I think I talked to you guys. So that'll be on the Comet station. Um, but, but I haven't been doing any writing lately. Just just writing more like uh, promos and stuff. So. And, of course, I am on Twitter and Instagram as Pajamo. Yancey Burns, how about you? Yeah, on Twitter, I am on Twitter as Yancey Jack. I, my derelict blog, which will one day be up and running, is the Milky Way Blues at Blogspot and at Tumblr. There's two of them. 
um, Milky Way Blue actually is the is 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 the is the is the address. Um, yeah, that's me. All right, you can find more of the episodes of Out Now at their internet on iTunes as well as on Audio Boom. You can find us over on Podomatic.com. You can email us at outnowpodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter, out facebook.com slash outnowpodcast, and twitter.com slash outnow underscore podcast. And, of course, there's our Tumblr page. You can send us plenty of Cloverfield-related gifts over at outnowpodcast.tumblr.com. Uh, Peter, Yancey, thank you both for joining me today. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Good time. Great to have you, of course. Great to have all the listeners responding as well with all their questions and answers every week. And until next time, when we go deep into the jungles of Wakanda, that's going to do it for this week's episode. So until then, so long. And goodbye. That's the only clever answer to where did the giant monster come from ever was it came from Manhattan, always bad relationship. <laughs> <laughs>